In a world overrun with an infinite amount of multiverses, originating from a plethora of sources, four longtime friends band together to try to make sense of it all and present it to an audience in an easy-to-digest podcast. This is Geeking Off the Page. Greetings, geeks. I'm Mike Kitchen, and I'm here for my weekly nerd therapy session. Hello all, I'm Trevor Brown, and yes, I did the math. I'm Gavin Burbage. I'm an idiot savant with a with a focus on the first part. I'm Troy, and uh, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. So welcome everyone to the 11th episode of Geeking Off the Page, a collection of minded, yes, that's right, 11th, and uh, generally same-minded uh, people from... 25 years of friendship going back to our college days where we reminisced about this sort of thing when things were a little more difficult to come by this uh, sort of information and we just uh, would sit around in our free time during our school time during our weekends and just talk the same stuff that we're talking about now um, and we are uh, generally talking about the good old uh, days and modern days of what pop culture is in the media right now. So what we're going to start off with what we usually do every single week, except for obviously last week because of the whole entire situation, but everyone is live here. Uh, well, technically no one's really here. I'm here and Trevor's there and Gavin's over there and Mike's down there. Um, but uh, what it is- The is multiverse. It's the multiverse, yes, and we've come together in some sort of uh, multiverse of madness, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, coming attractions. So, actually, you know what? Here, let me say something about He-Man since I missed that last week. All right. Okay. Cool. Okay. So, He-Man. I thought that was one of the cheesiest trailers I've ever seen, but guess what? I like cheese. I like now you want cheese on everything. Version. You know, it's like if it's a nice old cheese with a good aroma. Right, it just gets into your soul and makes you happy. Okay, and Mike, that trailer did that to me. Is it going to make you want to sign up for Netflix? Yes. There you go. Then it's perfect. Yeah, that's and, honestly that's that's my bar for any kind of trailer I see. Is if it's on a service I have or don't have, is like if I didn't have this service, would I sign up because of this? Yeah. Like Karate Kid made me sign up for YouTube Premium to see, you know, Cobra Kai and yeah. season two. And second, they, they dropped it. I dropped the premium. Go on. Yeah. So, yeah, when, every time I see like a trailer for Netflix or Amazon Prime, or I think to myself, would I subscribe to the service to get this movie or this show? And yeah, that's my bar. And if I say yes, then I'm like, all right, this is worth it. Yeah. And, and the like, big test for me was I showed the trailer to the entire family because I watched mm -hmm. it myself. It's like, okay, let's see if this will become a family show. And everybody was into it. Even Erica. Erica is like, that looks awesome. I remember watching that with my brother when I was a little girl, and this looks way better. We have to watch it. I just like the fact that Jason Mewes is Stinkor. That's like, great. Stinkor is going to finally be a character and not just an action figure. Yep. That's perfect casting. And somehow I just made my stand goal. <laughs> Woohoo! Woo it was your, your inner Trevor that achieved that. Yeah, he got up and left, and, and I think he came back. Um, yeah, it's he, the He-Man trailer was enough to make me go, ooh, ooh, this is bringing back a lot of fun memories of action figures. Yeah. 
and with my boys because they're so Naruto crazy right now. And we've just done that whole Naruto marathon. Mm-hmm. I was curious if something nostalgic from the 80s would get them into it. And they were like, oh, that Skeletor guy, he's pretty cool. So they were right in. As I said last week, it's nice to see Skeletor using magic in an offensive way. Like he throws the shield and a couple of bolts. and Yeah. It's great. And then with Kevin Smith talking about when he was writing the script, he just has to write fighty fight fight or whatever. And then the (laughs) animation studio just takes over. Because Mark Bernard, I guess, was writing all the theories it's like oh well this punch means this and the block means this and it's this character development it's like yeah you actually wrote your fights i just wrote fighty fight fight (laughs) so a couple of the trailers we're going to be talking about today are uh just a bunch came at us this week and uh, one of the ones we're going to talk about is uh ron's gone wrong which actually has a theatrical release of october there is actually no actual date itself other than the month of october but it does state that it's actually being released to theaters. So what this is, is this is a, um, an animated feature, a computer animated feature, which is right along our alley. And that's more than likely one of the re- main reasons that we as a group are talking about it because we are all uh, at one point in the process of being an animator. I'm the only one that didn't finish school for it. But um, it is a uh, feature that uh, looks uh, quite charming, actually, is what it is. It looks like a bit of a, um, what would you say, Trevor? A bit of a, um, like, it's, a, it's not a Pixar film, but it no, looks like a it, Pixar film. It, it moves more like a Warner Brothers um, and maybe a DreamWorks. DreamWorks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like actually, in- the character design has a lot of that Iron Giant look to it. Yeah, that's where I'm getting the one. Oh, the, it does. Like, totally. Where the ears go. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 It does. It does. It does. So, anyways, it's in a world where everyone is uh, given a personal robot to be their their friend and companion, and they're basically it's a personalized. Yeah, it's like a robotic assistant. Robotic assistant. Yes. Yes. And uh, our main character is uh, giving one that seems to be faulty, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, got a bit of a lemon, and uh, obviously hijinks ensue and whatnot. And uh, I believe the uh, it's uh, Gaffigan um, doing yeah, the voice. Yeah, Jim Gaffigan. Uh, yeah, Jim Gaffigan doing his best Baymax impression uh, from Big Hero Six. But uh, it looks it looks cute. Um, again, uh, being released in October of this year, two theaters. And now one of the other ones that we actually finally are getting into theaters after seeing the trailers and it being pushed off for so long is we are finally uh, getting one final uh, trailer for Free Guy, which is, uh, again, being released only to theaters. And that's going to be on August 13th. And it's the Ryan Reynolds video game movie that we've seen. This, Like I said, this is the third full uh, trailer, and I hate to say it, if you take the other two trailers, you can probably splice together the whole entire movie from these three trailers. This third trailer is probably the worst of them all because basically everything you haven't seen in the first two, they put it into this third one, and it's the rest of the plot points of the story. So there doesn't seem to be any reason to watch this movie other than watch three trailers, and you can figure it out for, for yourself, mind you, seeing this sort of thing. Oh, yeah, no, no, I'm just not. Still, Ryan Reynolds no matter what and uh taika watiti in it as well as 
kind of cool. But um, yeah, it, it looks amazing. It has looked amazing for the past year and a half that uh, we've been promised that this movie is being released and it's finally coming out for us. And again, this final trailer, like what you end up unfortunately having for most trailers, the rest of the story is revealed in it. Um, I mean, this we'll point, have to make, like we don't know until we see it. It looks like it gives away a lot. Yeah, it, but who knows? I mean, I'm hoping some of these the scenes in the trailer are not in the full movie that they were maybe made for the trailers. One can hope. One can totally hope. And if yeah. this is if this is the type of project where you could do something like that. It's completely different when you sit down in the theater and like, wait, that's not how the trailer had and all that. And again, like you said, Mike we won't know until we actually see it. I'm just saying- If they did the trailer right. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm, I'm also just saying that each trailer revealed, when it revealed more stuff, it was more storyline sort of stuff. And this one had more stuff that it yeah. now brings in more of the real world. Like the first one was just about the video game world. The second world was the real world and the video game world crossing. And now this one is about the real world taking over the video game world, which seems to be put all three trailers together. And that, that seems like that a full, movie. yeah, that seems like a full movie, that whole entire arc from beginning to end and all that. But that's neither here nor there. And again, like you said, Mike, we won't know until we actually see it in the theater. At um, this point, I, 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 I don't give a rat's ass. I will go and watch paint dry in a fucking AVX if I, if I have to. <laughs> I, I, I mean I'll, I'll wear the damn 3d glasses if, uh, to watch paint dry three-dimensional paint drying i mean i just watched the hitman's wife's bodyguard on uh wednesday or thursday night and i was actually almost emotional sitting in that theater i'm like oh my god i'm back in a theater watching a movie like the last one was tenant that was like a year ago yeah, that's true because because Gavin is in Vancouver, so everything's uh, loosened up a little more. I think Trevor's got loosened up. Trevor, yeah, you we've, they, they've loosened up a fair amount. Yeah, um, they're talking about. I think start of July, they're going to allow concessions to start running full out. Um, so we'll see how it goes. And I mean, I've already got a list list of movies for this summer. I'm going to go see. Yeah, uh, but I'm still going to be. You know, I'll still be watching a lot of stuff at home as well. And Gavin, what's the concession like in Vancouver? Are they concession stands open or is it just... Yeah, they, they, they were serving uh, popcorn, uh, bottles of pop, so no fountain pop. Okay. Uh, and uh, poutine, actually. Okay. Yeah, and that's the only what's, thing they were offering. What's, what's the capacity of the theaters? Uh, they were sitting them roughly either three or four empty seats between uh, like two, two uh, set of two seats. So that about, sounds beautiful. That's the way I always right? want to see movies. Yeah. I'd Unless like you're going space. to see the movies with seven or eight people. Space. Then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay, so it looks like it's at like the 30% or whatever it is, 25, 30%. So, something like that. I, okay. I think uh, I, we are getting close to starting the, the starting to, to get the uh, masses for their second shot. Like we're, we're a bit behind, but basically... Uh, we, we've we've done so well in terms of the pandemic compared to other places that uh, Ontario. Ontario. <laughs> 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 We're at seventy percent. We just had all mask restrictions lifted. 
um, like pretty much, yeah. Like the theaters, theaters now, I think they can go above 80% capacity and full concession. So uh, they just announced this week that in Ontario, anyone over the age of 18 within 28 days of whatever your shot was, you can get your second shot. You don't have to wait. You just basically book some sort of thing. So basically. Here's like, anyone over the age of 12. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on, we've got a couple of uh, quick little TV uh, trailers that were released to us this uh, week. We got uh, one for uh, Titans Season 3, which is going to be airing on HBO, HBO Max, which starts on uh, August 12th. And we also got one for uh, Star Trek Picard Season 2, which is going to be on uh, CBS All Access. And in Canada, we get it on CTV uh, Sci-Fi, which is going to be released sometime in 2022. Now... Um, I believe from our preamble before the actual show, we were talking about this and how some of us didn't see Titans, but some of us did. And Picard, we're not too sure that anyone really, other than myself, is actually interested in it. So let's start with Titans. So has anyone actually seen Titans to begin with? I watched the cartoon Teen Titans, and that's one of my favorite series of all time. I have a lot of nostalgia watching that in California with my daughters. Um, Yeah. They fell in love with the characters of Starfire and Raven, or even dressed up as them for Halloween a couple of years back. So the original like Teen Titans, Titans cartoon, it has a soft spot in my heart, you know, yeah. because it brought the family together. It was a lot of fun. It was well done. And then when I saw Titans, it's like this dark, gritty, murdering people. I was like, nah, that's not for me. So I bailed on that one pretty early. I'll 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 um I'll I'll back up your uh, first part there. Uh, yeah, in uh, just around college is when I was aware of uh, T Titans, the animated series. Uh, beautifully beautifully done show, amazing art, uh, animation style, and all that, and fell in love with the characters and all that. I knew of the Teen Titans to begin with uh, from DC Comics and whatnot earlier in my comic book collecting. While I never followed it completely, I was aware of a bunch of the characters. Um, When it came to the uh, follow-up series to Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go, um, I really enjoy that series. That is is quite a hilarious... um, It is one of those looks like it's for kids, written for the adults, and... It's fantastic. It's uh, the same, which is even better, which is the same voice actors that did Teen Titans are also doing Teen Titans Go, um, which has been on for like seven or eight seasons at this point and all that. Uh, But when this series Titans came out, I knew it was going to be a dark and gritty one. And I watched the uh, first season um, because it was, uh, we got it on, uh, in Canada, we got it on Showcase. So I was able to watch it regularly. Unfortunately, I didn't catch up on second season because I think I'd missed a couple and then Showcase didn't repeat any of the episodes. So I never got around to re, uh, re-watching the second season. But I might have to go back with it because um, the trailer that we got for this... Now, I'm going to jump ahead if anyone else well, has before, any... No, before you do, do a second season... Yeah. Give me a recap of first season because I didn't watch it. So I'm curious to see what okay. you thought of that. Okay, so before we go any further, anyone else? Gavin, what do you have to say about Titans or Trevor? Trevor Trevor wants to say something, but Gavin... He's waving his hands, Gavin. but it's an audio podcast. So yeah, like I'm, uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, the, the first episode where basically you see 
Dick Grayson go fuck Batman? Oh, okay, okay. So I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Okay, that's interesting because that's what tapped me out. I was like, he wouldn't say that. I'm done. So what did you think about that? What got you with that, Gavin? I don't know. I just uh, it, it 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 felt like. Uh, it, all of the uh, superhero movies that were kind of being rebooted with dark and greediness kind of thing, but there was always something that didn't quite mesh with it. Uh, but with Titans, it was it was uh, dark and gritty, yet it actually kind of worked with what 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 I was watching. Like that's really all I can all I can describe it as. It is something something just kept kept me watching. So, what got you for season one, then, Gavin? Like Wait, was that you said you watched the whole season? So like recap. Uh, Tell me what you liked because since I tapped out, I don't know what I, it had. I actually, as a, I, I didn't collect a lot of DC comics, but one of the ones I ended up, did, I ended up getting into was Hawk and Dove, <laughs> and uh, they, uh, they the two uh, act- actors they used for Hawk and Dove were like perfect. Right, I was impressed page. with the casting. I yeah. did see yeah, the casting. Exactly. I was like, yeah, yeah. okay, that's pretty good. Um, what uh, what's his name? Beast Boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he right. was. I, I I really liked him too. Uh, when uh, when they had him, what was he in? Uh, shit, the name of the the, the other this the other shit? show. This yeah, sounds yeah, like a yeah, terrible yeah, yeah. show. Anyways, anyways. <laughs> yeah, he he was really well cast. I think I think all of them were 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 rather well cast. Uh, even 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 Dick Grayson as. Uh, uh, as Nightwing, I think I think uh, did did really well. Okay, Trevor, go ahead. Before um, you explode so, on us, go. <laughs> all right. Well, the thing is, is when I saw the first promo trailer for it, um, and he says, "Fuck Batman," I'm like, "Yeah, fuck this." Um, and also at the time, it was on the the, the WB streaming network. And That's right. Like, you would have been in the states. You would have gotten. Yeah, and I was I was like, I'm not going to sign up for this shit. Right. Um, yeah. And the thing is, they had just put Doom Patrol on that, HBO yeah. and I was like well I'll watch Doom Patrol because I, I caught the first episode they had it on YouTube the first episode and I was like yeah it's a pretty cool premise and so I watched Doom Patrol seasons one and two and I was like okay and then suddenly when the big merger with DC and HBO happened um, they're like oh well here's all the other stuff and and they shut down the streaming service and like here's Teen Titans or here's Titans and I was like okay why not I'll, I'll give one or two episodes a shot and the first episode, it was good. It was the interesting way they, they introduced some of the characters like Starfire and stuff. Um, and I knew from, because they had the list of all the titles, episode four was the Doom Patrol. And I was like, I'll, I'll hold out till episode four. If by the end of episode four, I'm not hooked, then I'm done. And yeah, by episode four, I was hooked. Um, so I just kept watching and watching and watching. And they introduced Jason Todd they introduced um, Donna Troy and they, I got all the way to the end of the first season. And I was like, Oh, Hey, look, season two and jumped right into season two. And so, yeah, when they, I saw the announcement for season three, I was like, all right, I'll just keep watching because it's, it's a fun enough show. I mean, they, they do some of the, the, you know, the grittiness that they're trying to do to make it feel real. But at the same time, they also realize this is a superhero show with people with fantastical powers it can't be as real as like watching like law and order because you know people can shoot like laser beams out of their eyes and if that happens in law and order i think that people are going to be going what um so yeah it's so they, they they came to that point 
it's the first episode started out with them trying to be law and order. Like that's what it kind of felt like they that, yeah. that creating a special victims unit. And then by the second episode, they were like, wait a minute, we got a guy who transforms into tiger. So uh, we need to pull back on the, on the ultra grittiness because yeah, it's just, yeah. it's just the two, the, the two feelings just don't mesh. So yeah, they kind of pulled that back and let, you know, let us understand that, you know, there's characters with fantastic powers. Yeah. Hawk and Dove were amazing. Um, yeah, so- that is, yeah, that is, that is also, yeah, for me too, that's a high point. See, like, again, like Gavin said, uh, I had a, a, a very few amount of issues of Hawk and Dove, but seeing them up on the TV screen was exactly like stepping off the page. The, and again, like the rest of the cast, they're yeah. very well suited to these roles that they're portraying. So, um, Yes. The oh, first... Does it stay dark and gritty, or is it? it does it, it turn it, fun? It, no, it doesn't turn fun because there's stuff going on. Like the the last episode of season one, they introduce the clone of Superman. Okay. But they don't, you know, you don't really get into that character until season two. But they yeah. keep things moving along. Um, like it's just it, it becomes a far more interesting show as it goes on because you realize these characters. This is after they've had the first iteration of the Titans and things went to shit and they all split apart. So they don't now all have their own lives, but they're being drawn in because of things are going on. Stuff's going on behind the scenes. You got Trigun going on. So they, they pull a lot of the elements from both the comic book and it feels like from the, the animated series, they, they borrow some of the stuff they use in the animated series and bring it live action. Here, I'm going to share my screen. Um, this is the show that I want to see. And this is a case where I think the cosplayers do it better than yeah. Warner Brothers yeah, Studios. Yeah. If this is yeah. what the show would look like, I'd be in. No, no. And I'm 100% behind you on that one too, Michael. I, I would too. But I kind of, I mean, initially I was like, the, the girl they cast as Starfire, initially I was like, really? But yep. honestly, after her first episode, I was like, yes. that's Starfire. Yeah, that is. She, yeah. The characters, the characters become their own versions of the characters that you know of and they become like yeah like you said the starfire girl is becomes by the time you get like they do a really good job of filling out the universe that they just introduced to you in this first season it's yeah, a they, very well fleshed out season by the end of season one it is a very well flushed out and you the possibilities are practically well they're open-ended as a comic yeah book. i i feel like Every episode, they hit the ground running. They're like, there's a story there. Try and keep up. And then as the, the episode progresses, you do get more of that information, but they don't spend a whole lot of time in flashbacks, kind of like, you know, shoveling origin into your, down your gullet. You just kind of pick it up as you go. And there's a quick flashback. And you're like, kind of feel like it's filling in a little puzzle piece, like, a, you know, you're playing Tetris. And before you know it, you've got all the information. And the episode has kept along with a story that made you race to keep up with it but also filled in some of the character elements and you feel like, all right, I, you know, I saw something worthwhile. All right. I got three endorsements. So yeah, no, check out each, a couple episodes. Yeah. Each episode is a full meal. Get, yeah. get yourself, get yourself for that first episode, Mike, whether or not you enjoy the first episode or not, give yourself yeah. a second and third episode. And I first, guarantee you'll want to continue on. Yeah. It, I it will cost you though. It took me four episodes to get hooked. Oh, I heard a caution. There, it, it is violent. Like hawk and dove fights. Oh no! Yeah, no, for sure, for <laughs> sure. It is okay. You know how the uh, the Arrowverse, the WB Arrowverse, those shows like the Flash and yeah, yeah, those. It's 
the late night version of those shows. It is right. dark. It is gritty. It's violent. Yes, it is very violent. It's, I mean, it's it not. Works, though. Yeah. Oh no, it totally does. It totally works for. Yeah, it. that's and what turned is... me off for the characters, but yeah. With your endorsement, I'll check yeah. out a couple episodes. No, give yourself, yeah, do yourself a favor, Mike. And like I said, I've got to get into second season because this trailer for a uh, third season starts off with someone strung up on a pole with a Joker smile on his face. And I'm like, fuck, yeah. they're introducing the Joker? Well, I, I, the second I saw Jason Todd show up, I'm like, yeah. all right, when does he get beat to death with a crowbar? Yeah. I'm kind of waiting for that. And I have a feeling season three is going to deliver. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, but you have so, to have Batman for that if you're going to do it right. They do. They do. Oh, Batman there, oh. but he's not a main. He's not. No, a, he's not. He's. We don't follow Batman. No, but he kind of shows up every once in a while. Yeah. All right, that sounds pretty good. Also, do you know who actor Ian Glenn is? Nope. Uh, Game of Thrones. He was the the guy who had the love for what's her face, uh, Khaleesi, but she kept sending him away because he effed up. Oh yes, Mormon. Yeah. Yes, that's Batman. That's Bruce Wayne. Wow. Yeah, but we never see him suit up as Batman. No, if we see him as just Bruce. see him as Bruce Wayne. And yeah. the thing is, you know, he's he's Bruce. He's he's playing Bruce Wayne, and everyone kind of knows he's Batman, and he's playing the persona of, of Bruce Wayne. But every once in a while, you can see kind of like the the facade slip, and you see what he would be like as Batman, like that level of seriousness, and just the whole tone of the room, just everyone just kind of like stops, almost like. You're in a room with a tiger and everyone gets solidly still because they're like, holy shit, don't let the tiger look at me. Yeah. That he plays that to perfection. He keeps the, the happy Bruce Wayne and every once in a while that mask slips and it's like, now you're dealing with Batman. And you're like, oh shit. Yes, I can see that. That's why season three, if Joker's going to show up, this is going to be fun. That could be a winner then. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. they go that way. When I first saw his casting, like they, they cast him as, as Bruce Wayne, I was like, really? And then I saw an episode with him. I'm like, yep. yes, yes, yes. That, that, that was a great decision. I thought the exact same thing. Like, wait, who are they getting to do Batman? Oh, he's not playing Batman, so mm-hmm. to say. So, yeah. Yeah, and they have, like, Mercy Graves. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's awesome. It really is. Now let's all watch what Gavin's doing. <laughs> what are you putting on there, Here. Gavin? Don't, don't you worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> a series of tools between the <laughs> I'm just checking to see how many seasons of Titans are on Netflix right now. Mm. Well, it should be the. Oh, it might not be on Netflix anymore. Yeah, I think it'll be on HBO. Yeah, it'll probably be on HBO now. It's an HBO bought. Oh, it is. It's still it's, Netflix. Um, Netflix bought the international rights to uh, to Titans. Right. Okay. Gotcha. So in the states, it's probably okay. on HBO Max. Yeah. And like they haven't introduced Lex Luthor, but they introduced his dad. So Lionel, yeah. Yeah, Lionel Luther. And then we see his right hand woman, Mercy, like Mercy, Mercy Graves. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting how they're kind of skirting around Lex Luthor without actually saying, hey, here's Lex. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, so, so both seasons are on Netflix right now in Canada. Yeah, they're sc- skirting around Superman without actually saying, here's Superman yet. So excellent. All right. And then uh, Star Trek Picard season two. Whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I just hope Q fixes the series. If he can do a snap, rewrite the entire first series and make it good, I'll be happy. Because, I don't know like we said Q, before, Q, Q and Riker. 
that was the saving grace for me. I love the data moments, but I think they ruined him story-wise as a character. I think Brent Spiner did a great job, but I didn't yeah. like where the character went. Uh, the but end- Hugh was amazing until they killed him, and Riker was kick-ass right until the end. So, yeah. I, yeah. I, I will, if you will... can rewrite it, everything no, I... else, Picard turning into a golem, get out of here. I don't want to I... watch Picard season two with Picard golem. <laughs> so, yeah, Q fix that, and then I'm in. I kind of like in the, the trailer, Seven of Nine waking up and then, you know, goes to the mirror and realizes she doesn't have the implants. Mm-hmm. Right. So After all those that. years, Starfleet couldn't get that stupid eyebrow off her head. It's like, what kind of glue are they using on the set of Voyager? <laughs> Speaking of uh, good Star Trek series, anyone watch uh, Lower Decks? I have not watched it. I'm going to say I no did as see well. <laughs> that they cast the characters and designed the animated versions to look the same, yes, so that was... they could potentially go into a live action. That sounds fun. Yeah. The uh, the Low- Lower Decks uh, season one. Uh, I was I was expecting Family Guy in space, basically. It there's there's a lot of crass humor. But holy shit, does it really take the the you know the the uh, lower deck you know uh, characters and just flips it on its side? Uh, really funny, uh, great, uh, some really surprisingly good stories. And uh, I, I mean, the entire intro kind of sets the pace. It's basically their 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 ship is uh, clearly not the you know the enterprise level of uh, you know excellence. So every shot you see of the, their ship it's either running away from danger or it's uh you know it's directly causing something to to explode so i uh if you're a star trek fan i really recommend it uh they've uh, they, they've they've really made it something worthwhile watching and i mean hell the 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 final uh episode of season one it was as good as some of the some of the live uh, live action star trek next generation episodes wow well, we've yeah. already had Family Guy Star Trek with the Orville. I was just going to say, if anyone's seen Orville, that's oh, my yes. favorite Star Trek that's come out in like 20 years. <laughs> see. Wait, when was Galaxy Quest? I was about to say, let's Galaxy find out. Quest Galaxy Quest, 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 that's my favorite. <laughs> Although I got to say, I'm super 99. pleased with... Damn it, just, just out of the 20-year the range. Just out of the 20-year range? Like, okay. Yeah. Now, what's funny is... Um, was it uh, was it Patrick Stewart who said Galaxy Quest is his favorite Star Trek film? Someone has I don't that know. I Keep think, talking. I I'll Google it. Or I can't. It was someone like one of the main cast of Star Trek: Next Generation that said it, it was Galaxy Patrick Stewart. It, I think it was Patrick Stewart who said it's, it's his yeah. favorite Star Trek film. He didn't want to go see it though. He didn't want to see Galaxy Quest. Someone finally convinced him to go see it, and he loved it because he thought it was just gonna it was just taking the piss out of Star Trek. It's true, so, according to Google. Yeah. So yes, it is. <laughs> yes, according to Google. Yeah. Uh, it's all true. You um, couldn't do that back in the freak pit days. It would just be you know week long arguments, but now you can just Google it and find out yeah. who's right. Yeah. That then is, download that is it and watch it for yourself. Um. So yeah. So we also have some other stuff coming out for Star Trek television. Anyways, we got um, New Frontiers, which is uh, the oh, Anson Mount, the best pick, Pike I've ever seen. Yes. I mean, yes. The, the pretty much the only bike I've ever seen aside from the original, but uh, he played it so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't sure. watched that yet. <laughs> yes, I sure. haven't watched it, but everything I've seen of the character, 
that's the only thing that makes me want to watch that series. Um, Discovery takes a lot to get into it. You have to basically forget. You, you have to forget everything you know about Star Trek and just start watching it from there. I, I tried so hard to get into Discovery, and it just every episode you're just like, oh, did, did, the whole time you think, do the people who write this even? Did they even? You know, were they hiding in a cave and just don't understand? Never saw an episode of any of the Star Treks at all. It's, you know, it, it honestly, it's like Rian Johnson writing for Star Wars. It was, yep. it just, it felt like that. Like they're like, oh, do you have all this stuff about about Star Trek? Let's push this to the side. I'm gonna start my whole new, whole new thing all to myself. And right, like you can tell Seth time. MacFarlane likes Star Trek, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is why anytime I looked at any clip of Discovery. I was like, I just want to watch Orville. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was the same. I mean, like, Mare loves the Orville. Like, she she would make time to, to make sure that we had a chance to either watch it as it was being broadcast, or, we, of course, we DVR, and she'd be like, oh, let's watch the Orville now. Um, yeah, Discovery was just, like, someone writing Star Trek episodes who had no clue and had never watched a single episode of Star Trek. And no interest yeah exactly it was uh what's her um there was a star star wars novel uh barbara hambley um it was about oh, yes um oh son of a bitch uh, for the is, side. Is that the no, no 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 this no, is this is a much this is a this timothy zahn era and oh. like not even at the end of the first chapter luke takes like a head wound and can't access the force because she didn't want to write about the force because she thought it made the character too oh, powerful geez. The, so the, the novel, I, I can't remember what it is. Is it Twilight of something or something? No, like? I can't remember. Oh but my the gosh. whole novel. What was the writer's Luke, name? Barbara Hambly. The whole yeah. novel. But, Luke can't access the force, so he doesn't want to ignite his lightsaber because he's afraid he's going to hurt something. And it was just like, this could have been written about any other genre. Oh, it totally. Just, sub, just substitute to names. Exactly. It's totally like she wrote a kind of a cool space sort of story yeah. and then and thought like, i can make more money word, and, yeah and replace names and then just added yeah. the force here and once uh, and then rewrote the first chapter to give yeah. lucas head wound and done yeah yeah that's exactly what discovery feels like someone had written something about a you know a, a science fiction thing and thought i can mm -hmm. shoehorn star trek in there somehow but i don't want to change anything i'll just add the name star trek and starfleet and stuff that's what discovery feels like to me and I, I totally, I do not, I will not put you down for that. I'm enjoying the series because um, I've actually gotten involved with some local Star Trek groups that have gotten me into it and whatnot. And I actually got on friggin' uh, uh, what you call it, uh, CTV sci-fi to do some stuff because of Klingon makeup and costumes. I built a replica of one of the new Klingon costumes from season one and I got to go on air to do like interview stuff with one of the other Klingon members that I belong with and all that and so I've enjoyed the series I mean it's... So you're saying you like it for selfish reasons oh totally oh totally <laughs> for sure for sure um it's kind of neat because it's shot locally it's shot in the Toronto area it's yeah. you can there's every I know people that have worked on building the costumes and all that. Uh, me and Adrian, like Adrian's boss has worked on making those Klingon costumes. And I now, there's a tutorial out there that I know how to actually physically make them and all that. But um, 
And it's kind of neat to like, hey, I know that area. Hey, I've seen that area. Oh, move those trees around and whatnot. I, and, but it's it's kind of neat. Okay, I'm coming. I'm coming. Just a sec. Well, I have to uh, say, very, uh, I'm I'm with Troy. I very much enjoyed uh, Discovery. Uh, I I I know there's there's a lot of people out there that are basically just like, oh, it's not real Star Trek. It's too touchy feely. It's too but people uh, like me and Trevor. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> but I mean, there's there's a lot of heart in that series, and I I really really like it. There's always like kind of like a moment for for each character to, to shine. Um, uh, Captain Soru, uh, the the, uh, the the actor who plays him, Doug Jones. Um, Doug Jones. Yeah, Doug Jones. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, uh, easily the the most expressive actor I've ever seen, with like basically latex spackled on him. It's uh, Abe Sabian from the uh, the yeah. uh, first two. Oh, uh, the uh, the yeah. the oh, eye, eye creature from Pan's Labyrinth. From Pan's uh, Labyrinth. Yeah. yeah, Doug Jones. Well whatever as well. crazy weird looking uh, like monster. Doug Jones is probably been. he's the yeah he's the uh, yeah he's the undersea creature from uh, the the shape oh, of water yeah shape of water that's Doug Jones yeah I never got to animate him on Hellboy that's right you worked was... on Hellboy that's right yeah. yeah and I always wanted an Abe Sapien shot but I never got it so I did a lot of the swimming tests for the um, Samuel mm -hmm. but yeah I never got to do him gotcha yeah. So yeah, so that that Doug Jones is this and all that. Yeah. Um, and I like just some of the some of the ideas that they brought in, like this the whole spore drive concept. To me, I I I I love the the the, the whole process of it. Them you know going to to uh, Code Black and you know spore driving somewhere. Uh, it just it felt like a, like something new from Star Trek, like. We've seen so much in Star Trek that you know if you watch Voyager, it's always or or uh, you know it, it, Enterprise, it's always something similar to what they've established. You know they you know they, they they've got transporters, they've got phasers, or they you know what 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 they call it in uh, in Enterprise, they call it the uh, raise the 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 electronic plates or something. Yeah, it, it was always well, so something. They didn't have energy yet. Yeah, but but I mean it was always something that was based off of something very familiar with Star Trek. So with uh, with discovery, they 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 introduce something uh, like a completely new idea in terms of uh, getting around the universe, and I I was just kind of spellbound from like from day one, uh, season uh, season two. Now, I, if you intend on watching any of the first season, there's some some uh, some really neat stuff that happens at the end, but uh, season two brings in Anson Mount as Captain Pike. While the Enterprise is going under under a refit, that's the thing Excellent. that I'm interested in. What's the best Captain Pike episode? Uh, I would definitely is. watch that. There is okay. There's an episode where they have to go to the Klingon one of the Klingon worlds where they have to find a time stone and actually uh, Pike sees his future where he ends up in the chair, and it's his choice to either go back and change it or continue on by taking the time, time sphere or whatever it is and then realizing how his life is going to end up and how he has to continue on for it to happen. It's a beautifully done episode because it's, it's, it's not Pike-centric in this episode, but it, it shows how much his character is 
that. I mean, is is um, a Starfleet officer. He knows what his duty is. He knows he has to get this so that one thing has to happen so that something else goes. Um, and we're introduced to a young Spock in this, this series of Discovery who turns out to be the stepbrother of adopted step. Oh, I guess she's the adopted daughter so this anyways, sounds like a spaceballs thing it yeah it's it's a little more confusing like so sisters brothers former's roommate roommate yeah and what's that make us absolutely, absolutely no- nothing. nothing um but uh yeah i mean we're introduced to a uh rebecca romay rebecca rebecca romaine who played um what you call it the first version of Deke. mystique uh, okay, plays yes. um, Pike's number one, who was uh, Roddenberry's wife in the original Cage episode yep. of the original classic Star Trek. So, um, so she's introduced, and now there's a new series which is going to spawn, like I said, the New Frontiers, and it's going to be the Adventures of Pike and the Enterprise before it gets handed off to Kirk, which is and with uh, with with Spock as the science officer. Yes, yeah. So a young Spike and a uh, number one and so far she that's the character's name number one she hasn't been given a first name she hasn't been given the last name she's just referred to as number one so far first name number last name one yes exactly yeah yeah which would be kind of neat if that actually is how it turns out <laughs> but uh yeah so that is also we named the dog number one we named we named the, your, your do- first name is daughter's first name is doctor but uh yeah so, yes exactly so, uh, so, I mean, Star Trek's not dead anytime soon, and uh, there's a bunch of it coming to it. Uh, again, it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea, just like everything else is not everyone's cup of tea. Um, but I'm enjoying the hell out of what they're showing, and I'm looking forward to seeing Picard Season 2 because John DeLance is fantastic. Hey, hey, my boyfriend! And uh, it, it looks like it's going to be a fun ride. So. Um, I'm going to watch it. It's... It, it's... I, I, I like the first season, not particularly pleased with how they wrapped everything up in yeah. a nice little package, but uh, I, I'll see more. I'll see more. Yeah. Same here. Same here. I trust Q. I'll let him fix it. Oh, and it looks like, it looks like that could be what's going to happen. It's Q comes in and then it's a young, apparently uh, they uh, traveled back um like um, like Star Trek Four, back to uh, Los Angeles in uh, more modern day to us, sort of at one storyline. I've seen some behind the scenes stuff and whatnot. Every time, bear- yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, Gavin. <laughs> Bye, Gav. <laughs> Oops. Should we do a collective goodbye to Gav? <laughs> goodbye, Gavin. Why did that just happen? Mm. All right. That's okay. It's still audio. <laughs> we can still hear you though, Gavin. That's okay. Um, so uh, after that, we have a couple of uh, extra things that we can uh, talk about. Uh, we've seen some uh, some spot- set shots or some costume cover-ups for the new Obi-Wan series being uh, shot currently for Disney+. Plus. Um, there's not much to actually tell. There's a couple of characters, one um, Imperial officer, one stormtrooper, and Ewan uh, McGregor dressed up as obviously Obi-Wan Kenobi, all covered in black cloaks over whatever they're wearing underneath. 
Um, nothing, nothing too spectacular, but like Trevor said uh, earlier before that um, he believes it's all fake. All fake. It's all fake. Yeah. All fake. No, we're getting a completely something completely different. Exactly. Yeah. I'm excited to see Ewan McGregor back as Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was amazed when he was cast in episode one. I was not a fan of the prequel trilogy. And I always wanted to see him in his element as Obi-Wan Kenobi with a story that I could get behind. And if we get that, and after seeing Mandalorian, I think we will. If we can get that Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the way I had hoped it would be, I'll be very happy. Oh, for sure. I think the now whole I world... hope he takes the garbage bag off and takes the face mask off. I mean, I am hoping that. My biggest hope for that whole series is we don't spend a whole lot of time watching him creep, you know, creeping out on Luke Skywalker in the distance. <laughs> and I hope he doesn't milk like a Wampa or a Tuscan Raider or something. And drink it, drink out of the spike. And milk on a Krat Dragon. <laughs> yeah, I, we could do without that. It's milking Rancors. <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh no not gonna go there no nope, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say it because you know no nope, no nope. um so we also had uh speaking of star wars we had the latest episode of the bad batch drop and now seeing i'm the only one watching it right now i'm gonna report back that I, i'm um, caught up oh you're caught up yeah okay I'm caught up. So um, this is the episode where uh, the, the storyline changes. It now turns into a, uh, basically a bounty hunter has been introduced and is taking the girl back. We found out who actually hired the bounty hunters and um, the guys now have to get the girl back. Uh, so that's basically what it is. We're, we're, the, the bounty hunter in question is Cad Bane. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was as as soon as the ship lands and the door opens, it's like oh my god, oh my god, and then it's all in. He, they do it in a silhouette reveal, and you see the brim of the hat, and I'm like, oh, please be Cad Bane, and then yes, it's it's Cad Bane. So still not. That's just it's still not enough to pull me back. Um, well, it's kind of neat that it turns out it's the Caminos that have hired the bounty hunters to get uh, Omega back, not the Imperials. Um, and the Imperials are just out there to hunt down the uh, well with the help of um, of uh, crosshairs to hunt down the Bad Batch themselves. So the Bad Batch are being hunted by the Imperials and the bounty hunters are hunting down. It, it was kind of obvious that the Caminos weren't Omega back. She's going to be the, the genetic source to revitalize the clones because they'd already talked about how the source they had from Django has already started to degrade so much they, that the clones they can't produce of any quality so obviously they made Omega as a female because she's going to have unfertilized eggs inside of her. They can harvest those and that'll give them a whole fresh genetic template to, to start with. Spoilers. It just, I mean, when you think it through, it's, it doesn't. That, it's, it's, it is a logical explanation from the, to go to. Does the That's why they need her alive because they have to be able to harvest the eggs from her to pull the genetic material, the fresh genetic material, and keep the program going. Does the Jedi ever come back into the series from episode one? Who, uh, uh, well, he does technically when he oh, shows, he up, shows in up in Rebels. Yeah. But not in Bad Batch? Like he doesn't interact well, with Well, no, he's still, he's still a kid in Bad Batch in the hiding. He actually, the character goes into hiding for about 
10 years before he resurfaces as okay. a. I was hoping he would show back up in he, the bad he, batch at some point. Well, I thought he that would could. Be fun. There is a chance that he could. There is a chance that he could. There is a chance that because um, there is a Probably. chance that this, the, the bad batch would be the only other team that he would. That nip. He's probably on some sort of sun planet like Tatooine getting a really dark suntan so he can kind of match up with the rebels. Well, if he shows up again, let me know. Okay. You'll be the first, yeah, you'll be the first person I call, Mike. Make me the second because make sure it's 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 worth worthwhile for me to get back into the bad batch because so far I'm still not hearing any reason to and the rest I, of all our listeners. I I just like to say that I, I, I thought it was uh was quite a feat for the the badge batch to essentially use a starship engine to essentially uh neutralize uh crosshair yeah exactly yeah yeah um so after that we also got um again hulu in the in the u.s has released all the episodes but here in canada we're measly getting one episode at a time on uh, disney plus star and the uh, next episode of Duck was uh was dropped on us and uh i uh, it's it, it's it's going right along the way the way it has been from the get-go it has been uh, a surprisingly dumb and entertaining series and it's it's offensive it's uh, <laughs> um uh it's kind of, it's it's sometimes even cringeworthy i mean i wasn't expecting to see that many manatee cork carp cork <laughs> corpses in this episode but there you go there's a whole entire room full of them but Mm -hmm. um it is it is quite the entertaining and again if you're a fan of like the robot chicken sort of was this seal bureaucracy be thy death yes 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 all right okay okay yeah Yeah, I'm, i'm trying to follow along with what, where you guys are and go back and watch episodes. Yeah. So I just, I couldn't remember if you guys were on five or six. Yeah. This was five, I believe. Yeah. I believe this was episode five. Yeah. 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 Five. five. Yeah. But just, it's, it, I mean, there's nothing more to say than it is entertaining and it is, dumb. It's it stupid. is very entertaining. Um, I'm going to spoil it and say the next episode, you're probably, you, you might want to go to the bathroom before. You watch the episode, otherwise you will piss yourself laughing. All right, challenge yeah. accepted. Endorsement. Yeah, S- six was such a hard left in a very funny way that I was like, "What?" And then, yeah, yeah, it there. If you thought five had some really shocking moments, six is like, "We can do better than that," and they they try. <laughs> They dry hard. Hold my beer. Is it one of those hold my beer? Yeah, it's one of those. Oh, that was shocking. Here, hold my drink. Yeah. I'm going to show you shocking. Okay. All right. So uh, that about wraps up uh, everything else. Now for the uh, one of the main reasons that we're actually here this week is um, Disney Plus has also done something else to us, and they've decided to uh, grace us with the greatness that is Loki, the uh, series. And... Um, you know what? I'm just going to take a back seat on this. And um, we had a lot of stuff given to us in this second episode of Loki. We had a lot of um, exposition. We had a lot of uh, storyline, character development, and a lot of Easter eggs. <laughs> like, you're talking research after watching an episode like this. And if you didn't 
do research after watching this episode, you did not watch this episode. If uh, Okay. You may not have done the research, but if you didn't want to do the research, then you didn't watch the episode. I mean, if you were like, what was that all about? If you didn't have questions about what all that was about, then you definitely didn't watch this episode. Um, who wants to who wants to describe what happened in the episode? Just give well, a- I'll start with what yeah, I bowed out. I'll I'm just gonna, start I'm just gonna here. Show my hands. What you already talked about research, and this is what started me off. End of the episode, we finally see female Loki. And I was like, that's not right. The casting is wrong for female Loki. And here I'm gonna do a screen share on here. Sorry for the audio listeners, but like I had a very specific thing in mind for female Loki based on cosplay and stuff that I've seen mm-hmm. and from the comic books. And if the female Loki doesn't have the long dark hair and the big horns, and the long dress, it just doesn't seem right to me. And so I was thinking for the podcast, okay, I'm going to pull up some research on what female Loki should look like. And then you start seeing who the character could be. And then suddenly it's like, oh, that could be perfect casting. And that's where my research started. I don't know if anybody else wants to go from there. Oh, yeah. So I watched this episode the first time all the way through the credits, like all the way through the credits. And they even talk about, you know, in the, in the English, it says variant and it has the actress's name. And it hits the Spanish and it says Sylvie. And I'm like, what? Because I read a lot of the you know, Thor comics and I remember a character Sylvie Lushton, who Loki gave basically a version of the Enchantress's powers to, which included mind control, a whole variety of, of powers. And I was like, Sylvie? So I, that's where I started my research on. Um, unfortunately, and I don't speaking have of mind control, Trevor, that was one thing. I was like, I don't think Loki has mind control powers. No, he he got, always used the staff and the mind yeah, stone. Yeah, he used the mind stone and the staff to take over minds. And then you see she the Enchantress can do that. Yeah, she well, kept doing it with touch, and you'd see their eyes flash. And there's, you know, and so when, when it, the name popped up, Sylvia, I was like, because we've, the, Disney's had a problem with their international markets kind of giving things away, like the, you know, the toys from Hong Kong or whatnot. They end up giving stuff away. Like, like giving away information. And when I saw that, I was like, Sylvie, they didn't, because I, I, I rewatched the episode almost immediately. And I was like, they never say her name. And, you know, she's got the little horns, but the Enchantress had a similar head garb that she had. Um, I don't remember if it had the, the horns. But she also faked being like Loki's daughter or something oh, like she, that at she, some yeah, point. Yeah, she did a lot of things. Um, and it was just, that's where it was like, is this, female Loki or is this a version of the Enchantress or a combination of the two um, so I would love where... it if Marvel does the fake out on us because we've always talked about this in other podcasts where you get the yeah. hero and they fight their evil clone exactly. and what's more of an evil clone than clone Loki or alternate dimension Loki but if they swap it out on us and make it Enchantress that yeah, you know that's... and these writers seem smart enough to do something like that say like, hey let's yeah. set this up now let's twist it on you. Exactly. That's why I was like, second I saw the name Sylvia, I was like, this, this it should have just been like Loki or Loki or, or, or female Loki or something. And the fact that they, they gave a name Sylvia was like, wait a second, something is yes. not right. So I think someone in, in the Spanish translation department didn't get the memo or they got a memo they shouldn't have got. So but that idea makes me so happy. 
Yeah. So that's, that's the part A of the research I did. And there's like, you know, B through, I had to get into double letters and triple letters and, and make up my own alphabet. Clef. So Troy that's, and Gavin, what about your research? Clef. Okay. Clef. So, so to begin with the actual episode, when I asked for a description of how the episode goes on before we get to the end of the episode, seeing we're going to be talking, so we're doing a time traveling thing, so everything's timey-wimey. The whole thing's about time travel. Wibbly-wobbly. Yeah. Wibbly right, we wobbly. can just insert a time bomb yeah. here and you can reset the timeline, that's fine, Troy. Exactly, exactly. Um, so we actually start off at a Ren Festival. Uh, and some information about this is uh, something that I learned directly from the woman sitting next to me in the room and how that is actually an existing uh, Ren fair that runs year round, actually. No, not year. Not year round? I think that one's the long, one of the longest running Ren fairs. It is. It is one of the longest running. So it's a permanent, it's a permanent location. Yeah, they do it every year. It's very yeah. annual. And it's yeah. one of the biggest ones in, in the U.S. Yeah, which is, of course, it's in uh, the the series is being shot in uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. So that's yeah. So that's that's where it yeah. is, which is kind of neat to find out that it is an actual. Hey, it's easier than having to build the set sets already there. And um, watching the episode, I thought that was interesting because at first. Sorry, Adrian, don't cry. When I was watching the episode. I thought it might be some alternate reality because like, why is there all this medieval stuff in 1985? But this should be the main timeline. And I was very confused about that until I realized, oh, it's a Renaissance fair. Yeah, Renaissance and fair, yeah. Like that's the nature of the show to just twist your brain and get you all confused and mix things up. Yeah. And the fact that it was 1985 and Mark Miller did a comic book called 1985. And then yeah. the holding out for a hero also came out in 1985. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So it's neat how they just take all these elements and bring them together. Yeah. I can recap the episode if you want. If you want to, we can. We, oh, how about we recap it as we go and throw in our. All right. So, so they go to the Ren Fair. Right. And Loki, this, we're kind of, we reveal Loki's first plan of double crossing the TVA. Yeah. Which goes um, against what I thought about him being the anti hero because it's like, oh, yeah, so, he might still so be he, villain. He stalls. He, he gives this whole thing about this is what I would do. And, Basically, he stalls, and then they kind of figure out he's stalling, and they, you know they they're ready to, to give up on Loki. But you know, Moby's like, let's give him a second chance. Um, and then he's going to do some research, and bam, here's some research, and that's where they figure out that the variant Loki, Lady Loki, or perhaps the Enchantress, um, is hiding in apocalyptic events. You know, that's genius that, idea. It is. It is. It's the idea is you know if you're in a doomsday. Like bit of timeline, you can do whatever you want. You can keep going back to it just before it happens, and they're not going to see any 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 timeline branch that would have started instantly gets squashed, so that they're never going to find you. So and they this go is, to and this is Pompeii, where they go to Pompeii, which is Pompeii in seventy nine AD, just before Vesuvius erupts. Yeah, um, this is where we learn Loki can speak a lot of languages, including Latin. Yes, um, and he you know hams it up and. It you know the, the happens and they they take the reading and no variants discovered and he frees um, some goats that was one of my favorite parts. <laughs> now, a, a fun little thing about the Latin is there's another Marvel character who can very famously speak Latin. Anyone? Anyone? She's got a movie coming out, Black Widow. Oh really? Really? Okay. In, in Iron Man two, they list out all the different languages you speak, and one of them is Latin. And they even make a, a thing of no one speaks Latin. That's right. And she, at that's one point, right. she yes. says something Latin to Tony. And so that means in Avengers, 
she and Loki could have conversed in Latin in that whole interview back and forth. Mm. Oh, that would have been nice, yeah. But they didn't. They didn't. Or did they? So anyways, uh, yeah, so they, they, you know, they figured they're going to track down Miss Loki at that point, and they go to Rocks, was it Rocks on? Rocks Mart. It's like, which is a variant of the comic book one. It's like the Rocks on made a Costco in the future. Which is kind of a nice throwback to which of the TV series had Rocks on? Oh, no, it was in uh, Iron Man 1. Roxxon is uh, uh, basically a, a competitor with uh, Stark Tech. Yeah, but there was Stark also, Industries. I think, was it Iron Fist where the Defenders had Roxxon Corp oh. as well? Oh. I think the Defenders, they because they were... Yeah. Oh, was that the one against... Um, yeah. Yes, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right with that, Trevor. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, I remember Roxxon showing up there. Also, I believe one of the Spider-Man... The new Spider-Man in a long shot of the city, you see a, a building. With oh, more than on. likely, yeah, more than likely, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so they go to a mega Costco. That's a subsidiary of Roxxon, being um, used as a fallout shelter. Yes, yes. Which doesn't really, and, and it's a hurricane, isn't it? In Alabama, wouldn't it? I mean, maybe my geography's off, but wouldn't a hurricane in Alabama be damaging to other places more? Well, you saw how much the water had come up on the actual I land. Guess, I mean, yeah. I did some research into hurricanes, though, and what was it, a category eight in the yeah. show? And yeah. standard measurements five. go up to five. Yeah. So, yeah, if it's, yeah, a, maybe, maybe. If it's uh, beyond yeah, the realm of human possibility that we've ever seen before. Yeah, something yeah, goes, something goes wrong in the next 30 years yeah, for so them they, to increase at it. At some point... Anyway, they the teams go. Loki's part of them. They split up as usual, like the Scooby Doo gang, um, and and Velma and Daphne, or sorry, uh, Loki and the, the chief security officer, um, end up getting separated by uh, happy circumstance, and that's where we introduced to um, various people have, that have been mind controlled by the female Loki slash enchantress, and some you know a little bit of. You know, a little bit of fisticuffs and a little bit of wrestling happens. Also, don't forget, she also refuses to be called by the name Loki. So, yeah, she doesn't. That's that was one of the key things that maybe she's not a Loki. Maybe she's yeah. the enchantress. Um, but she has set up hundreds of time bombs because in the scene where they pull back and it's like you're, you're on the ceiling looking down, you could see rows upon rows upon rows upon rows upon rows. Yes, of time bombs. I got something for that lots and lots of time bombs and 42 there's 42 42. exactly right there's 42 and that shot where they do the whole entire where you see them all on those shelves and it all lights up there's 42 universe and everything exactly exactly Exactly. yeah Yeah. um and then we find out that she has activated the charges and each one has a little portal drop and the bomb goes in and then we get a quick glance of all the different locations and times that she is sending them to and then she opens a door, steps through, and Loki, you got you know, Mobius and the crew is running at him saying, Loki, Loki, and he jumps through the door with his female counterpart. So, or after his female counterpart, we don't know if he's going with or just trailing her. And then the episode ends. And then we get a nice uh, credit montage with some altered credits. Yeah, yeah. And we get to explain something. We find out that Loki weighs 525 pounds. Um, holds it well yeah. um yeah and then we get the english credits and then the spanish credits where 
Mike and I had to end up doing a lot of research. Is that a good enough recap? Yeah, that's pretty good recap. Kevin, what did you research? Well, <laughs> Gee, grilled cheeses are tasting. That's what I've done research. Nothing, nothing I, I found could be as thorough as what Trevor has done here. Hey, I, I, I am not going to claim I... I very much here. enjoyed the episode. Uh, it, it, and, uh, you know, having recently watched uh, The Avengers, actually, just a couple of nights ago, uh, it really kind of refreshed my, my mind on, on how much of a bastard Loki is before the whole redemption side. So, like, this is primetime Loki being the, the, the biggest dick he can and basically looking for every single possible way around, uh, you know, his, his circumstances. And uh, right up until doing a salad mutilation that was amazing. <laughs> oh, come on. You, why, why are you doing that? Come on. I was going to eat that. <laughs> what do you say? That's a lousy metaphor? <laughs> yeah, what about when he him. immediately tries to kill Miss Minutes? It's uh, like, oh, yeah, maybe he's still a villain. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, the, I, the having, having Miss Minutes being an actual character is actually, like, I was not expecting that, which was fantastic. Now, did you guys notice... Yeah. After he tried to hit her a couple times, when uh, Mobius calls him to, to leave on the screen, it says test failed. Yes. Yeah. I didn't notice that. So, yeah, Loki yeah. actually failed the test that he was answering the questions for. Yeah. And yeah. So, while he did watch the videos, he did not pass the test. No. Well, at least this particular test. Um, yeah. Some of the other things that, like, like uh, I did some research to, to just point out one of the things, like, like that's an actual cola that existed. In the '90s, the mm -hmm. Jost Josta, J O S T A Josta Josta, yeah, mm -hmm. Josta Cola, which was like an it's it was like a jolt cola. It was an extreme caffeine, high sugar uh, drink that uh, was pulled off the shelves after I think a year and a half of being on the market in the '90s. Um, so that's what uh, Mobius is drinking all the time—a high, <laughs> high caffeinated, high sugar drink. It just yep. opens up the idea that they constantly go through these doorways, time doorways. Yeah, yep. you know, exactly. buy a couple yep. cases, <laughs> bring it back to the TVA. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. I, I did like when Loki um, corrected them on how his magic works. That was great. That was yes. The difference between an illusion and a, and a duplicate duplicate casting. Yeah, and that then harkens back to how he was able to fool Thor. So many mm -hmm. times, so many because times, yeah. you've got a duplicate casting that looks like you can, you know, interact, but is at the end, yeah. it's just it's just an illusion. There's then there's the time that he, then there's the time that Loki turned himself into a snake, yeah. <laughs> and because he knows how much Thor likes snakes, and he picked him up, he turned back, stabbed them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's there's stuff. Like, I mean, there's things like um, when they get to the superstore, and he dries himself off, and she's like, "What was that?" He's like. I'm drying myself off so I don't my shoes don't squeak like the rest of you loud ones. Yeah, like yeah, stuff like that. That just the writing is so good. It it would make sense for a character who has access to those powers to do things like that. Oh, for sure. So now he's back in the world. He can get his magic again. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to use it. And I'll... the fact he's doing the force pulls now. Yeah. yeah, I was happy to see that. Yeah, yeah. Because we've never seen that in the movies. 
No. But he does have that power, as far as I know in the comics, right? He's able to do things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now, did you guys catch any of the the Easter eggs on the Judge Ravona's uh, wall of trophies? Um, I not really. I mean, yeah, I didn't uh, pause it and zoom in. Me, for pers- me personally, I didn't, but I have heard a couple of things because I just want let's see what uh, YouTube says about this because I have no idea what that actually is. All right. So one of the things that that jumped out at me was there is a uh, timekeeper's helmet that says A23. Now, if it was like A113, that'd be, oh, the animation department at, at, at CalArts. A23 is the first appearance of Kang the Conqueror um, in Avengers 23. Okay. All right. Kang is going to be a very big part of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yes. Quantumania. Yeah. Quantumania. yeah. He's already yeah. been cast. And the... Yeah, he's already been cast. So they're kind of pull and things. Kang is he's a time traveler. That's this whole whole shtick is he's constantly traveling through time. So for for him, the TVA, he's probably a nightmare to them. Because he is constantly jumping through time because he can it's almost like he's an embodiment of almost like of the time stone. He is time in a way. So for them to be able to to control him is almost impossible maybe the three space lizards can control kang but they the the police force can't he probably has like diplomatic immunity from the tva so they just basically they let him do his thing and then just clean up the messes behind him right right yeah so yeah there's um did you guys see uh 372 when he's when loki's doing his research there's the big long shot and the table, and in the in the background, a giant number three seventy two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is the comic book goes reference. To Thor volume one issue three seventy two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, again, TVA. Yeah, they yeah. they are using so many of these little Easter eggs as callbacks to the comics. It's amazing. Now, the um, other thing about the other thing about this is that you don't need to know any of this. Like no, you can you just watch it. this. You can just watch this series as it is, straightforward. What's on the screen, like, and still be entertained. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This, the deep dive that nerds like us, like geeks like us, that are doing—that's mm. what this show was written for. But it is also so beautifully written that you don't need to know every single thing yeah. to go into the series. Yeah. Now, what's nice is Thor Ragnarok talks about. You know, in Ragnarok, it's the destruction of Asgard. Loki pulls up the paperwork on the destruction of Asgard, his home planet, like his homeworld, the place he grew up most of the time. And that's what triggers him to look after doomsday events to hide in. Yes, yeah. Gavin? Well, Troy, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, my, uh, we, we were talking about this earlier uh, when Trevor was doing his wrapped, uh, you know, attention face. Uh, a friend of uh, a friend of Amanda's uh, texted her to ask her. I I, I want to know what I need to uh, know before I start watching Loki. And so Amanda turned to me, and I basically gave a list of the the uh, the, the Marvel movies that provide enough backstory to Loki to understand what what is happening in the TV series. And it, it turned out to be roughly uh, nine movies out of the, you know, the 23 uh, right. cinematic, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Okay, yeah. Um, so notably, it was uh, uh, it was Thor, obviously, uh, The Avengers, 
mm -hmm. uh, Dark World, which, right. as, as I said before, you, yeah, you whatever you think about it, there is still some low-key plot development, uh, character development. Uh, Thor Ragnarok, uh, Infinity War, Endgame, and then to understand the quantum realm stuff and the, uh, you know, the, the time travel stuff, you, you need to do, uh, see Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, and Ant-Man and the Wasp just to get that understanding of, of how they got there. So there, there is some stuff you need to know. Like for entertainment purposes, watching Tom Hiddleston do his stuff. He's yeah, that's all you really phenomenal. need. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. But to understand the what is actually going on, you know, or at least to have a better idea of the situation that it, he's involved in, you gotta get, you gotta do at least some research. Yeah, true, true. But again, the series is so smartly written from the get go is that you again you can walk into this blindly and not know anything because it gives you all the recap. Uh, Loki seeing the best of Loki's greatest hits in the opening episode is enough to know and just the emotion that plays on uh hiddleston's face as he's doing this sequence is just brilliant i mean it's just I, at this very moment this is probably going to be the greatest thing we're going to see from marvel for now because like they've, they've done it so smartly and i'm enjoying the hell of it but uh like we said, there's so much more to this episode to deep dive. And I think we're going to hand the reins back over to Trevor because I think Trevor has done a little bit of research on the uh, dates of the uh, time disturbances that um, the variant has uh, sent the... Uh, sure, before Trevor starts that, okay. I'm going to jump in because I have something about Judge Ravona. Oh, so good, apparently good, good. Kang and Ravona, there's like a romantic relationship. And we know Kang's going to show up eventually. And that also ties into the Black Knight, which we know is going to end up in the Marvel Universe soon. Yes. So that's just even more of a deep dive into history. That was it. But it was it was the judge. It was the judge. I completely forgot about that. I found that out today as well, that her and Kang have had a prior relationship. In, now, whether or not they will do that in the MCU, but in the comics. But they're setting it up. As they like are the story is there, yeah. and it's all set yeah. up. So anyways, back to you, Trevor. All right. Take it away, Trevor. So I uh, did a lot of still frames and got a lot of the times and dates um, of, that we see when everything uh, goes to hell. When everything goes to hell and, and the female Loki slash Enchantress is sending all her time bombs and we get a partial listing of where some of these are headed. Um, and there are some, there's a lot of places on Earth and there's a lot of places in the Marvel Universe that these bombs are being sent. I'm just touching the Marvel places first. Um, now, in those ones, it's kind of harder to figure out what the date means, like Vormir, where the Soul Stone is held, is like April 23rd, 2301. So we have no idea what's going on there. Um, others are Asgard, uh, February 16th, 2004. That could be a variety of things. That could be, because we don't get to see Asgard until, what was the year? Uh, 20, 2010, I think, is the first time we see Asgard. Didn't you research this, Trevor? Um, some of them I didn't because, I mean, it's harder to research some of the Marvel planets. And I, I, that's the one date I don't have in front of me. I just said Asgard, but I didn't put in the date for the first Thor movie. Anyway, um, 2004 could be a whole variety of different things. She could be... 2011 you know, is when the Thor movie yeah, came Yeah, so out. that's... So it was you know, quite a bit earlier seven years than that. before. So that could be 
you know, taking out, uh, you know, any, any, any event. Stopping Thor before he actually becomes Thor. Like he's. Well, actually he's been, he's 1500 years old. He's been Thor a long time. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, he, he was there at the Vikings, you know, back in like the 11th century. So. But that's where the dates get interesting because there could be hidden meanings in all these numbers. Like we don't know what the writers had in mind. Sakaar. You know, that's where the, the game, the, the, the Grandmaster is. 1984 yeah. could be when Valkyrie shows up. I mean, I'm assuming she showed up long before, but it could be something important happens in 1984. Or it could be 1984 based on the novel, and they just threw that in yeah. because the TVA has a lot now, of that element to it. 1382, it goes to Ego's planet. We don't know what happens in 1382. He could have been there on that planet at that point, or he could have been off, you know, doing his women. Well, he is the planet. Yeah, but yeah, that could be, be yeah. yeah, with when his person like his his consciousness not effectively on the planet at that point, send it there, destroy the planet that destroys him, and then blah 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 oh, gotcha. all yeah. down the line. That's when he went off into space to be like Captain Kirk. Yeah. 51, 0051, Hala. Hala the yeah. world. As I've I said before, that could have been when they first turned on Supreme Intelligence. That could have been the you know a variety of different things. Um and then 1001 Xandar, that could have been the start of the Nova Corps. That could have been, you know, when they got some piece of technology that allowed them to, you know, top or, you know, tilt the, the, the scales against the scrolls or the Kree or someone else. So for the Marvel universe, these are, we don't know what the dates mean, but the locations are more important. She's and it does tie of- into what the technology is for each race. Like exactly. it, they, you know, these races are whatever thousands of years ahead of yeah. it's when the, some important event happened. But the thing is, these are all races that tie into the Avengers and specifically the Infinity War and the Infinity Gauntlet. Like a lot, like Ego, Xandar, Hala, those tie into Captain Marvel, those tie into Guardians of the Galaxy. Galaxy yeah, yeah. So this is going to be, you're going to see this ripple effect through, you know, Infinity War and Endgame. I believe, I believe nowhere is listed in that list as one of the ones uh, he was in one of them yeah nor is it listed uh, but titan is 1982 titan thanos's home world that could have been when he decided to do his scorched earth policy and kill half the population of whatever planet he's going to that could have been the date or the date before that his planet you know goes to hell and we see the this you know what it looks like when the you know some of the avengers show up so these are Here we see nowhere. Up. So on the screen hanging from the ceiling and the yeah, small text on the top, right in, above Niflheim is nowhere. Yeah, yeah. there's no actual oh. date, but it just says nowhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah but and something Niflheim is going is, on. Is uh, uh, Niflheim is isn't that hell? No, that's the dwarves. Is uh, that was like uh, where Loki came from, isn't it? Uh, no, that's Jordanheim. Yeah, that's oh. Jordanheim. Yeah. Uh, Niflheim, yeah, the, I believe, is the dwarves. Yes, the. The giant dwarfs, right? Yeah, and then Svetelheim is the the elves, the dark elves. Elves, right, right, right. Um, But then we have the human locations. You have Lisbon, Portugal, 1492. Um, And it's March 31st, specifically March 31st. Well, March 31st, uh, Ferdinand... Sorry, cutting in. uh, Google research, Niflheim is the home of the frost giants. Okay. According to my Google search. All right, because Jortenheim has always been listed as the the frost giants. Anyways, um, March 31st, Ferdinand and Isabella of Spain, the king and queen of Spain, 
um, expelled all the Jews of Spain unless they converted to Catholicism on yes. March 31st, 1492. Yep. That's a huge date. That's that's that one is, that I, yeah, mm. I, I myself did that one. So yes. Um, Thornton, it's 1551. I couldn't find anything. Uh, I think Thornton is actually a Marvel made up town. Um, and But I couldn't find anything concrete on it. I saw some speculation online of what it could be. Well, it also, it says 1551, Thornton, USA, which didn't exist in 1550. Yeah, did not exist back then. So no. I'm guessing it's more of like the the coordinates of where that town will be. Yeah, what, either where happened. it currently is or it was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's some theories that it, it could be a Viking town at that point. Yeah, yeah. because it would yeah. be so, Thor. Which could become Nordic and Thor's yeah, so, town. Um, yeah. You got Rome, Italy. That's when there was a, a transition of from one pope to another. Yeah, there was uh, a bunch of popes, though, wasn't it? They were trying to yeah 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 it was yeah, a, yeah. a, a, a pope off a cacophony um, of a cacophony of papal yeah. people uh rome italy was i'm sorry not rome italy uh is it rome no, no uh, sorry uh columbia um was french troops occupied the papal states on the february 2nd but i couldn't find anything concrete for for uh columbia um yeah some of them are a little bit harder hopefully they'll be explained uh, Porvo, Finland was the same. The big one for me was September 21st, 1947, New York, USA. So World War II was ended in 45. Yeah. 47 would be uh, the SSR, the, the formation of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, yes, of course. If you oh my God, drop yes. a time bomb just before S.H.I.E.L.D. becomes an official thing. Like this is when you know, Peggy Carter is they're just trying to get S.H.I.E.L.D. off the ground. This is the transition from the SSR that was established in World War II to the S.H.I.E.L.D., which is the, the peacetime unit. You drop a time bomb there, S.H.I.E.L.D. never happens. S.H.I.E.L.D. never happens. You know, there's a huge amount of stuff that goes on without S.H.I.E.L.D. Right, right, yeah. So that would be a huge one. Uh, you know, then you have like Tokyo, Japan, Beijing, China. The one that jumped out at me was Kingsport, USA. Um, Kingsport USA is not a Marvel reference. It's a reference from for H.P. Lovecraft. Um, just because I've read a lot of his books, there's a story called The Terrible Old Man. And it happens in Kingsport USA. Nice. And I, I'm, maybe the writers just threw it in there. Maybe there's a, a Lovecraft you know, fan in one of the writers. But it kind of, you know, it's a nice little, um, what was the, what was the, 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 the comic uh, it's like one of the, the the dark towers kind of Stephen King pulled reference from uh, Tower of Shadows okay all happens in Kingsport USA okay and George R. R. Martin did all sorts of weird kind exactly. of stuff like that like Lovecraft stuff in Game of Thrones like Game when of... the, these writers pull in that mythology and well, inject it in George R. R. Martin also wrote a series called the wild cards he was the yeah, editor, but superhero also book. And yeah, the superheroes, and it starts way back, just basically around World War II, I believe, and then rewrites history along the way, sort of thing. And he pulled a lot of Lovecraft stuff into his. There was like a giant space swarm. It's like a giant, um, uh, a big. Basically, it's like a giant yeast that could turn into different things, and it sends sends a swarm of like Lovecraftian monsters, and there's a huge invasion in New Jersey kind of like the War of the Worlds. And yeah, so he was a huge fan of Lovecraft. It's, it's an interesting series. 
I highly recommend it. If you like superheroes and you like alternate history, it's kind of cool. And you are right. Jutenheim is the Frost Giants. Nephilim is the Dark Elves. It's a dark, <laughs> frosty thing. I should have known that. Trevor knows all the stats. <laughs> there's just a lot of useless information crammed in my head. And sometimes we can tell. <laughs> but yeah, so when I saw the dates pumping through, there was just, I, I was like, where, where, are they, where are these things going? And what are right. they stopping? What, what are they pruning to cause a branch? Because then when you see that scene and you see the sacred timeline and you see branches and bran- just hundreds of branches showing up, you're like, these are what the time bombs are doing. What did they erase? So yeah, when I saw the New York one, it was like, imagine SSR. Now the thing is, is it's kind of like in real life, um, the USS or the, the USA had the OSS, um, the Office of Strategic Services or the Oso Social, which eventually became the CIA. But mm-hmm. at the end of World War II, uh, Truman said, I don't want uh, yet another, you know, secret service. So he acts the OSS. He's like, your guys are done. You're discharged from service. Get out of my sight. By the time the Korean War started, they're like, oh, crap, we actually need people. We need the secret service that's looking outside of the U.S. because they had the FBI. And the FBI was mainly concerned with the U.S. and South America. They had no one watching China. They had no one. And so they formed the CIA from whatever remnants of the OSS they could re- pull back in. And that became what we was now known as the CIA. In terms of Marvel, they did SSR turns into S.H.I.E.L.D. and S.H.I.E.L.D. becomes, you know, same sort of thing. But that specific date could have been when they were making that transition from SSR to S.H.I.E.L.D., drop a time bomb, S.H.I.E.L.D. never happens, Hydra reigns unchecked. And a question for you guys. What if is coming out soon? Do you think the TVA will show up at the end of each episode and try and correct the timeline? I hope so, so much. And I hope at the same time you got the watcher just kind of like laughing to himself in the background. So, yeah, that was a lot of my research on Loki. All right. And again, there's so much more to do. This episode is is. just chock. If you, this is one of those episodes where if you want to deep dive into a single episode, this is the episode to do it. I mean, this is what you have to do. This is dropping down the rabbit hole and saying, fuck the parachute. I'm going. Yeah. And this is what I was hoping from Falcon Winter Soldier. I said this before, but there's so much opportunity to expand these characters. But I'm so glad, like WandaVision did it. They did it well. They took yep. us, the Marvel characters, into the cinematic world of television and through the years and gave us a good story. No, Falcon Winter Soldier could have done that with the whole spy, espionage, super soldier. I think they went the wrong way. But this episode, like, is... I mean, we're only two episodes in, but if you want to take a masterclass on how to do a TV series right, based on two episodes, this is it. Yeah, and this is setting up, you know, two more movies easily that are already in the works. You know, you got Spider-Man and actually three, Spider-Man, Ant-Man and Wasp, and And Doctor Strange. Strange. Yeah, This is, you know, you will probably be able to watch those movies without having watched Loki, but I think we're going to get more out of it having watched Loki. Oh, there is no doubt. The head writer, Michael Waldron, who did Loki, um, mm-hmm. he was asked in an interview, since he's also doing the, the new Doctor Strange movie, 
it's like, so are there elements in Loki that you're going to incorporate into the multiverse of madness? It's like, I hope I'd be smart enough to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's stuff like this that, you know, as it, we'll be able to watch the movies fine. This is just going to give us a, a, a better appreciation of what we're watching and a deeper appreciation of what we're watching, which I think is what we're lacking with Falcon and Winter Soldier because it doesn't matter. I mean, we're not going to see elements from this show appear up in the in the movies um, because the characters. Unless that, it's Captain America four, unless Captain America. But even 4, still, but, I don't care. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. I mean, two episodes and they've already set up three movies. Yeah. No, it's. The one thing when I saw the space time bombs, I was thinking Guardians of the Galaxy three. Mm-hmm. What the hell could that be? Exactly. I just want to say, I kind of want to see that now. I, I have a, a theory on the three space lizards. All right. Um, mainly because as I was delving through all the different research, so in Asgardian, um, you know, lore or Norse mythology, you had the Norns, the three Norns, past, present, future. Um, in Greek mythology, you have the three witches, past, present, future. In, in uh, Scrooge. Well, no, the ghost of Christmas, past, present, have, and future. Um, in Greek mythology, you also have it's the 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 maiden, the mother, and the crone. Muse? The maiden handles the the, the 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 past. I think it is the mother hands the handles the present. The crone handles the future. She's the one with the shears that cuts off people's lives. You have the three spaces. I mean, even Catholicism, you've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, past, present, future. You've now got these three space lizards who are handling time, past, present, future. Are they all working at the same thing? Or are they each with their own specific task that they're working on? So you got the guy who's keeping the past you know, running smoothly, the guy who's running the future, or the sorry, the, the present, making sure that's smooth, and the guy who's trying to untangle the knot that is is the future as it's coming down the line. Mm-hmm. And they have the TVA to kind of give them a hand when shit goes wonky, but so, you know, and the thing is, if you're Loki and you get to meet the three, which of the three do you want to meet the most? The guy who's been handling the past, the guy handling the present, or the guy handling your future? So, yeah, I thought, I thought about that when I was going through. I was like, oh, the Norns, there's three. And I was like, oh, Greek, there's three. Catholicism, there's three. The Space Lizards, there's three. It just seemed kind of very convenient. Keep showing up that number. This ghost spirits at the end of Return of the Jedi? Yeah, exactly. Whoa, mind blown. <laughs> and Star Wars reference. Good job, Troy. I was waiting for Trevor to get to a, a quiet moment there and just throw it in there as fast as I could. You were waiting a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, it's rare you get a quiet moment from me, especially if I get worked up about something. Exactly. Um, I can talk so, faster. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we're... Like, like you said, we're two episodes into a six-episode series. Um, there is no way we're going to find out what happened to all those time, those time bombs. Yeah. There's, no, there's no way that they're going to reference. We'll probably maybe a montage or maybe a, like, there'll definitely be a, oh, this line's been fixed, this line's been fixed, oh, we went back here. It'll all be, like, in passing it, reference or something It could like be that. people just shouting out, like, those, like it's such a thing. That's, you know, that bomb did this we've got it fixed you know yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah. i think it's gonna go way more to hell than that i don't think anything's getting fixed at this point like this is the new 
Infinity War as far as Marvel goes. Unless you travel far enough back to stop her from getting the time bombs in the first place, then everything would kind of fix itself, wouldn't it? That's probably what... Because you need a phase four Marvel cinematic universe, and this is setting it up. Kevin Feige knows what he's doing. <laughs> how do you beat an Infinity War? Well, how about shatter all time and space? Yeah, that would do it. That, that'll do oh, it. Yeah. Of Madness, which is the title. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So are you but saying... Are you, Black Widow. Well, we all know that Black Widow takes place well before any of this actually happens so yeah. well but, hopefully she'll get through alive won't she she'll be okay right yeah she'll be all fine you'll be fine yeah oh old yeller's gonna live right yeah yeah at this point yeah, they could sure all thing, son. we're just gonna pause the movie with five minutes to go you go to bed now <laughs> old yeller's okay right yeah yeah he's fine they gave him some they gave him a pill the foaming stuff he, he took a drink of water. He's good. All right. Thanks, okay. Dad. <laughs> Stop crying, though. Stop crying. Danby's mom's okay, right? Yeah, she was just sleepy. She needed to lay down. We'll just pause the movie there. All right. Alrighty, so, then. So what we can guarantee is we'll definitely be sticking around for the next episode. For sure. Yeah. And it does sort of kill us that uh, we record on Saturdays and the episode drops on Wednesday. <laughs> so, I mean... No. But it is fun with the amount of deep research that Trevor has to do over those <laughs> few days. This thing let, came out let on me Friday. Just... I, there'd be stacks of books behind me and hair frazzled and glasses askew. And, you know, Flipping through the pages. Wait a second. Here. I, 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 coffee. <laughs> Let, let me just point out that uh, by the time Trevor was messaging our, our group chat, I had gone to bed just before his first message, and I woke up. There, he had watched it three times already. Yeah, you, you got to know the material. That's why he's part of the quartet, Gavin. Yes. Um, yeah. But the thing is, I also like the announcement that from the, going forward, um, Disney Plus, all new shows would debut on a Wednesday movies on a friday yeah and Which i look is, at that kind of they're kind of like they're padding their numbers you remember blockbusters be like oh we're early screening is on wednesday because that's just padding their weekend box office gross mm-hmm. so this i think feel is just kind of padding their viewership numbers and i was also thinking if you i mean most people are working from home these days but if you go into the office and you have something to talk about every week a Wednesday is much better than a Friday night because you come at right, Adrian. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, exactly. But you exactly. go into work on a Wednesday and you have two days to chat about it and wait until the next week. And it builds the hype because people are looking at their computers, they're, they're talking to their co workers, and it gives you something to be excited about. Exactly. Well, it's a career conversation. Yeah, you're, if your friend comes in Thursday morning and says, oh, yeah, I caught Loki last night. Did you see it? And there was this and this. And you're like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to go watch Loki. Yes. That pads the number so that, you know, by Sunday night when they do their cutoff, like how many people were watching Loki? That's more people. Because the other thing is, is if on a, you know, on, a Thursday, on, a, on a Friday night, I get home and look, oh, there's like an episode of this. There's an episode of that and an episode of this. Oh, and then there's this two-hour movie. I may not get to th- get through all of that in a single weekend. Yeah. But if I can get through a couple of, sh- you know, show on a Wednesday, a show on a Thursday, and then a movie on a Friday or a Saturday, overall, all their products get more views. 
And seriously, who looks forward to Wednesdays? Nobody. Now Now everybody does. Yes. (laughs) Now I do. Now I'm like, ooh, Wednesday. I'm I'm, I'm beaten up from Taekwondo from night before, but ooh, Wednesday. So um, so that wraps up uh, the main portion of our uh, talk about Loki. So more about this uh, next week. You guys all coming back for next week for the next episode? Yes? I think it would be possible. So that's going to bring us to our next uh, portion of our show where we have our box office showdown. And we're doing round eight. So what we do is we go to uh, Box Office Mojo and we take the... Uh, listings for the uh, actual gross uh, total uh, box office input of any sort of uh, intake, sorry, of uh, any of the movies. And on the top 100 list, we have pulled off the top uh, 16 uh, comic book themed movies. And we, like I said, just are down to round eight. And that brings us to the movies of the uh, number eight position which actually on the list of 100 is at the 23rd position, and that's 2018's Aquaman, which is uh, had brought in $1,148,485,886. And the movie that it's going to be going up against is the number nine position, which is, uh, that's right, is actually in the 25th position on the top 100, and that is Spider-Man Far From Home from 2019. And that brought in a mere $1,131,927,911. They weren't even trying. Yes. So um, as we discussed uh, last week, uh, this is uh, the Aquaman is actually only the fifth DC movie out of the top 16 movies. Everything else has been Marvel. So uh, we'll start off with, uh, what do you guys want to start with? Go Aquaman or Spider-Man? Which do you guys want to talk about first? Okay, Aquaman it is. So we're going to go with the um, Arthur Curry, the human-born heir to the underwater kingdom of Atlantis goes on a quest to prevent a war between the world of the ocean and land. So uh, this is a uh, James uh, Wan uh, production, oh, sorry, directing uh, with, uh, we got Jason Momoa and we got a- a- Amber Heard and we got Willem Dafoe, Dafoe and it is a two hour and 23 um, sort of smorgasbord of a movie. It's basically uh, James Wan decided, hey, let's uh, figure out what we can throw at at this uh, movie screen and see what sticks. They throw everything. Um, Your guys' impression of the movie? Jason Momoa carried the damn thing, chewed through scenery like it it was like beef jerky. And generally speaking, it it was damn entertaining. I had a lot of fun with it. Unfortunately, it's uh, it, it was bogged down in a sea of uh, of very mediocre DC movies before that, and it, it was against everything else out there. It was it, it it still just can't compare. And I had fun, but not enough to watch it twice. Really, yeah. I found that it was actually quite entertaining and. Um... I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of uh, 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 what's her face, a- a- uh, Amber Heard. Um, I don't know. 
why she would have been put into this role with that uh, Ronald McDonald uh, colored wig that she had. But um, I was quite entertained. It was, it was, uh, the comedy was on point. Uh, the uh, action was fantastic. The special effects, the underwater effects were beautiful because not only was uh, a lot of the stuff digitally redone is the difference between how it was shot and how they did the final effect and all that was fantastic um the indiana jones-esque storyline was was a thrill to see i mean throwing aquaman in the middle of a desert why the hell not i mean you're only gonna see it in a movie like this now i don't think it's fair to say it wasn't that great of a movie just because it was surrounded by other bad movies i mean you got to take it on its own i mean Jason Momoa, yes, is an entertaining, charismatic, you can't take your eyes off him. And yes, he does a lot of scene chewing, but that's Jason Momoa. He just, wherever he goes, he's the thing you look at when you're on the screen. The only thing you wouldn't look at is if he's in a movie with friggin' Dwayne Johnson. I mean, that would be a tough thing to figure out. Who the hell am I going to pay attention to? Dwayne Johnson or Jason Momoa, right? I mean, even in, like, I'll even go back to Justice League and we're talking the the original theatrical cut Jason Momoa was the thing to watch in that even though it wasn't that great of a story for uh, Arthur's character it was Jason Momoa was the character to watch he was he was the comedic relief that that movie desperately needed and there wasn't enough of it but in this movie where he is the main character you understand what he's going through. You understand his need not to be part of this world that desperately needs him to be part of their world. Um, the, the story of his, his being raised by his single father and his mother being queen of the Atlanteans and whatnot. I mean, it was, I thought it was a heartfelt story that was entertaining from the get-go. Was it dumb? Yes, it was definitely a dumb movie. It was entertainingly dumb. I enjoyed it. It was colorful. A lot happened in it. Uh, it was nice that the movie didn't seem like a two and a half hour movie. That was another saving grace of the movie. Um, but who else wants to say something? Mike? I'll say that I didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, that was beautiful. It has been on the TV in my house and I have seen parts of it, but it never captivated me enough to watch the whole thing. Now, I don't want to see Cal Drogo in the ocean movie. Like, it's just not for me. Um, now, if you look at Jason Momoa, like during his Baywatch days with the short hair and all that, it's like he could easily be Aquaman. But they decide to go, and though there is a precedent for this in the comics where he did get the long hair and the beard, but what's Aquaman doing with, you know, that much like hair? Rob Zombie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're getting wet, dude. It's they want to get away from the Super Friends version of Aquaman. <laughs> but the thing is, one of the things that got me interested with the movie was when I saw the redesign where he actually has the proper Aquaman armor. It's like, oh, this could be something. Yeah. Because it took it away from the Zack Snyder version and turned it into something that sort of, aside from, you know, the Rob Zombie hair, it looked like Aquaman. And I was cool about that. 
and uh, Black Manta, the fact that they got that character design right. Like for me, a big thing yes. is just the visual design. If the director is smart enough to get the character designs right, that gives me some faith in what they're going to do with the movie. And they were able to pull that off for me. But it just never quite captivated me enough to watch the entire thing. Mr. Brown? Um, it was two and a half hours long. Honestly, the pacing could have really been tightened up. It, it just, it was long and it didn't need to be that long. Um, I, I like Momo as, as, as Aquaman. I think he, it, he fits the character um, in terms of, you know, who he is. I just, I mean, this movie came out after Justice League, but, you know, there were elements in Justice League that they just kind of like, oh, we'll just conveniently ignore that. Like he had already met up with Amber Heard's character. Why does she have to introduce herself again? Why does he have to act like, who are you? I've never met you before. The fuck you didn't. You, you, there was a whole fight, you know, remember with Steppenwolf and you were fucking there. And so was she. And you said, oh, that was, took a hard hit, didn't you? And she talked, she spoke back. So it's not like you, you don't react. You're like, who's her? Who's her? me have lots of fear. Who her? I, I, I remember sitting in the theater like, of course he knows who the fuck she is. And then we established in Justice League, he's, he's not speaking to the fish. He's speaking to the water. And the water speaks to the fish. There's a whole interaction with Batman. You speak to fish? No, I speak to the water. And then we get to this movie. No, I speak to the fish. Was just what about that whole? Because uh, it was more interesting that he spoke to the water itself. But oh no no no, let's just woo. Throw so that it's fun that. when the Joker and Loki do stuff like that. But yeah, the hero just, does it, that. It he like just you've already established something, and then we just woo throw it away. This movie also suffered from they didn't know who to make their villain. You had Black Monta tr trying to get his revenge for you know the death of his father. That's there we go. That's that that could have been the movie. Oh no, we're like let's shoehorn in Ocean Master who is a character with the exact same fucking powers. Did no one learn? Does he did talk no to one... water or fish? Which one? Uh, but, but did no one fucking learn? Don't have people with the same fucking powers every god damn time. Mix it up a bit. But they don't. And so, yeah, I was sitting in the theater like, oh, look, it's Ocean Master. He's, let me guess, he's super strong. He, he swims real fast too. Uh-huh. There we go. Um, so yeah, and then the, the big climatic fight where you know you've got oh we're riding giant sharks and 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 he's happened to be riding a chronosaurus and, and we have all this stuff and we're fighting crab people and all oh, the giant crab thing it was just like oh god I know you're trying to do a big spectacle but it's under the ocean um, no one's noticing on the surface nothing's floating to the surface people are going hey look at that um, and then we have the final fight on the upside down. One of their ships upside down just happens to, you know, and, and they and now that they're fighting in the air, he's at a disadvantage. It, it just, yeah. And then, of course, he uses the special move that his mentor taught him and then deflects all attacks. And you think, did no one else know this move? No one else? No one could have caught, taught it to Ocean Master at any point in his life? Because nice to see both of them their staff and no one's attacking. It's like, oh, this doesn't work now. We got to actually do something. Um, yeah, so there was there was a lot of like little plot points like that, and I, I yeah Amber Heard's character, zero development of that character, 
like zero. She was, you could have just taken a cardboard cutout and just it placed it in the scenes where she needed to be because she had that much character development. It was the same character from the start that we had at the end. She had zero character arc. Also, the, the whole thing at the end where after he's won and she turns and she suddenly like flicks on the broadcast mode of her voice and, and can broadcast to everyone really loudly that, well, welcome your new king. It just, it's a very cringeworthy moment where you're just like, really? Did, did someone just hand her a megaphone to say this incredibly cheesy line about welcome your new king? Um, yeah, I, I wanted to like this movie so much. I was hoping that DC would finally, you know, get something better than a fly ball. Um, Eventually we got Wonder Woman. Yeah, that's just it. Like we had Wonder Woman and I was like, I knew Shazam was, was, was you know, coming down and, and I was like, all right, Aquaman, here we go. This is, you know, another dinger. Let's, let's see it. And it just, it, it got to the outfield, but didn't pass the wall for me. So yeah. I have a serious question. What would this movie be like if James Cameron directed it? You know he'd be down in the ocean with cameras and submarines and have the divers swimming around. And- oh, he totally, uh, well, yeah. Well, it's almost like like you know, when people keep claiming that you know the the Kubrick shot the the, the moon landing footage. The problem is Kubrick likes to shoot on set, so they would have had to fly to, fly to the moon to, to shoot it. So same thing with Cameron. He would have insisted on using that giant tank in 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 uh, Mexico and and have everyone deep under the fucking water the whole time. And, you know, a lot of like we hear stories of like actor almost drowns as air tank fails. I wonder if yeah. the TVA has that movie on file somewhere. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's there were a lot of really interesting visuals, like seeing Aquaman in the the golden green. That was a, a nice iconic moment. Yeah, yeah. But there were so few far in between, and it just felt like yeah, you you started with um, you've got a stop ocean master. And then suddenly, dun, 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 we have an Indiana Jones section. And then, hey, we're back into the ocean for the big fight. And it just, it just felt like the, the movie couldn't find the voice it needed. It just kept, it's like, you know, a third of the way through, it's, you got someone narrating and someone else steps in and go, oh, I'll take over now. And then, oh, I'll take over now. It just kept changing narrators and changing tones of film. I just felt like I was watching four or five films kind of half-ass edited together to make one long film. So that's my impression. <clears throat> All right. So in comparison to that, we end up with uh, 2019's two hours and nine minute long Spider-Man Far From Home. So following the events of the, of the events of Avengers Endgame, because of course this movie picks up basically right after Endgame has, I guess, ended, uh, Spider-Man must step up and take on new threats in the world that has changed forever. So we've got, like, like you said, it not only is it the follow-up to uh, Endgame, it is also the uh, much-wanted sequel to uh, uh, Homecoming for Spider-Man. And um, who wants to start on this one? Mike, did you see this one? I did, but Gavin put okay. his hand up first. Go, Gavin. Uh, I th- there was there's a lot of things I liked about it. Uh, the story it 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 sort of gave a uh, a an organic reason why Peter Parker was in Europe. Uh, it gave some of the best uh, throwaway lines just to say, "Yeah, you're the only guy we have. Thor is off planet. So and so is somewhere else. 
And so it was, uh, you know, it, it just made, it just gave a, a, a much more reason, reasonable uh, indicator why it was left up to, to Night Monkey. Uh, sorry, Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, 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 the little touches everywhere were fantastic. Uh, you, every, every so often you'd, uh, you, you, if you weren't watching for him, you'd see Qu uh, Quentin Beck just somewhere in the background, but you don't realize it until after all of the stuff is, has been happening. Uh, and I, I think um, one of uh, one of my favorite bits about about that is uh, it just uh, oh fuck sorry I have a brain fart. I'm just gonna. We can stop. either edit that out or we can get Troy to add a sound effect. What the swearing? Are you talking the swearing or what? Oh, the brain fart. Oh, the brain fart. Oh, the brain fart. Oh, part. There, is, oh, there, okay. is, there is a point I was trying. Oh, okay. I remember what I was going to say. Oh, here we go. Um, the uh, the fact that uh, Tony Stark gave Peter Parker glasses that could control a fucking defense system that surrounds the Earth. Don't you think Tony Stark would have had a better person in mind than? Like a, a, a 16-year-old kid. Spider-Man's pretty cool. Uh, sure, sure. But, I mean, he practically nuked his class. True. So. But he didn't. Uh, true. All right. So, Mike, what do you got to say about uh, Far From Home? Uh, okay. So, first off, following Endgame is a tough job. Like, you know the movie that comes out after that you know it people are going to go to theaters and say okay what comes after this how can you possibly follow that up and then you have the whole class thing about the everybody returning from the snap the way they did that and worked that into the movie was genius because they brought so many elements from endgame in set the tone and then got right on with the movie i thought that was really good there was a throwaway um, line of my younger brother's now older than me and he's yes it's so good. All these people showing up to their ha homes, but someone's already moved in because it's been vacant for five years. All that kind of stuff is crazy. But they, they pulled it off within a couple minutes. And we've talked about this in other episodes where you're trying to bring people up to speed on all these characters and ideas. It's hard to introduce all these ideas. But this movie did it just like that. Like, this is what's happened. The world's completely crazy. And let's get on with the movie. So that was fun. Um, the fact that we're now in two movies of the Marvel Spider-Man that's not in New York. That's crazy, right? Because it was a little bit of overload with the two previous versions. It's just, yeah, Spider-Man swinging around New York fighting a guy. Like, no. So um, Homecoming was a breath of fresh air. And now this one... You know, where he's now he's overseas on a vacation. It reminds me of like, you know, Home Alone 2. It's like, oh, you were at home and now you're somewhere else. Or European vacation. It's like, hey, it's the same movie, but somewhere else. But they did it well and it was exciting. And it gets me hyped for Spider-Man 3. It's like, hopefully he swings around New York. I know it's all multiverse, but hopefully he gets back to New York. Um, Mysterio was amazing. And again, they did the same thing as the first movie where they had that big villain reveal which is so iconic for Spider-Man, right? Where in the first one is Vulture and you get that moment in the car. 
this one you get Mysterio in the bar where he gives this evil plan. It's like, oh, come on. That's the second time they've done this and they did it amazing. So there's that. Um, I wish they had the alien symbiote. Again, we've talked about this before. He easily could have brought it back from space and instead of spider monkey or night monkey, we could have had black suit Spider-Man Venom. They didn't do that. That's unfortunate. But overall, huge fan of this movie. Mr. Brown? I went into this movie with a lot of hope. A lot, a lot, a lot of hope. Because Mysterio was always not even, he was like a B-ranked villain. He's a, a ex-stunt man who uses basically Hollywood tricks to try to do his crimes. And I was always like, hmm. And then they said, well, Mysterio is going to be the villain in this movie. Or, sorry, Mysterio was going to be in this movie. And I was like, well, okay, we're going to see some cheesy Hollywood stuntman with some smoke projectors and maybe some, some mirrors. And oh, he, he was always up, my favorite. Okay. And he shows up and he's claims he's from a different dimension. Yes. And he uses magic like, like Doctor Strange. And he's fighting off these giant elementals. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, they, they've really given Mysterio an overhaul. And when they got, you know, I also had a problem with those Edith glasses being handed to Peter Parker. There were other people that Tony Stark could have bequeathed those to. That's, you know, that's like, you know, you're handing the the keys to the arsenal to a 16-year-old. Or even but he's Spider-Man! Yeah, yeah, no. Um, still subject to hormonal urges. Um, so the, the, so when, when they got to the, the bar scene, he hands the glass over leaves and they have the big celebration and then we see the plan and the fact that um, uh, Mysterio actually worked for Stark and he was part of BARF, that simulated reality that we saw in Iron Man 3. That was amazing. Um, it was a nice connection, but it kind of cheapened the character for me. I wanted, him it? To be, I wanted him to be from a different multiverse. Make that first crack into the... This was our first chance to see well, multiverse that's interesting. characters. I wanted to see Mysterio from the multiverse, but kind of like the DC Booster Gold, you know, he's from the future and decides to come to the past and be a hero. I want to see Mysterio from another universe, like from the multiverse. In his multiverse, he's the villain, but he's here acting as the hero because there's stuff he's at. He's after the Edith glasses because they will work in, back in his, his universe. So those elementals are creatures that he's creating to fight so that he can convince S.H.I.E.L.D. and Spider-Man to get the glasses because then he's going to go back to his home world and take it over. Well, I have to cut in here because that's the, like my view is the exact opposite of that. I thought they were going to do the crack in the multiverse. I was like, oh, no, don't do that. When I found it was all an illusion, I was so happy. So that's now, I, interesting. I, I, after, I mean, after you found out that this is all, you know, all smoke and mirror sort of thing, seeing him in a 3d tracking suit from that point on i kind of laughed as i'm like he'd be wearing that anyway yeah you know that was to me was a fun in joke but i just felt that they had a chance to make this character better than he was um and because we didn't really have any other villains there was and things is you know, the whole night monkey thing but there was nothing occupying peter parker really you know, other than he was trying to keep his identity from his friends and they found out and yada, yada. I mean, May already knew and, and her and Hogan might have had something going on or something, something. Um, it just, it, it kind of felt a little hollow. 
that I like the fact that they were dealing with the, the, the post snap. Um, I would have liked to have seen the fact that, you know, he had a, to uh, replace the suit that he had in, in end game because it was too damaged to continue. Maybe he, you know, stay, went back a couple stages. The whole thing where he built the new suit in the, in the plane was kind of like, man, it's nice to have those kind of 3D printers in a plane. That um, reminded me of Spider-Man and his amazing friends. You know, where, yeah. the, you know, the, the apartment turned around and there's all the high technology. It's like, oh, please give us that in Spider-Man 3. Yeah, but it's just, I I just wanted Mysterio to be a better villain. Um, now, this movie did have one of the nice things at the end when, you know, he and MJ go swimming and she is freaked out by swing, by him swinging. She is, you know, she's like, never again. And then the reappearance of J. Jonah Jameson. That was amazing. That like total Alex guy. Jones. The rest of the movie could have been absolute garbage. The second J. Jonah Jameson popped up on the screen and it was the J. Jonah Jameson we all know and love, I was like, all right, movie's great. I'm good. I'm, I'm perfectly good. <clears throat> we know he's, he's J. Jonah Jameson. That's all it took for me. I and do wish he had the hair. Yeah. And That's this it. set up exactly of Spider-Man 3 where we have our reports of you know we got Doc Ock, we got Electro. It's going to be the whole se- the, the sequence of you're Spider-Man. Spider-Man goes swinging behind him. Maybe not because there goes Spider-Man. And you know that they're going to use that. They're going to do that in some way. Like these swinging by or Tobey Maguire swinging by, and they're like, well, there's there's Spider-Man. You can't be him. Yeah, they're they're going to use that. You know it. It's such a cliche thing, but it's something. If it doesn't happen, we're going to be like, oh. So yeah, that was my impression. One thing I, I, uh, I'll, I'll sort of say regarding the whole little Mysterio as the villain side, uh, just speaking out, out, outside of the movie itself, like the, the entire comic book nerd population, as soon as they saw, saw that Mysterio was, the, was, was in the movie, they're like, oh, he's, he's the bad guy. He's clearly the bad guy. And then you see the, the trailer for the first time. This is Mysterio. He's from another dimension or, or another universe. And you're like, yep. but, okay, how, wh- okay, that's kind of cool. No. Okay, he's going to fuck him over somehow. But maybe he doesn't. But what if he does? Oh, no, he's, he's, he's Mysterio. He's going to do it. He's going to fuck him over. But maybe he doesn't. Like it, it was, it was, it was one of the best sort of will. Is he or isn't he? Kind of casting slash revealing moments I've seen because for me it was you know he's a villain. You yeah, know they it. had me. They had me. When 100%. they had Mysterio and you see him using magic, I was like, maybe this is their answer to having Doctor Doom. You know, this was to me. This was like this was a chance to have Doctor Doom without being having to. At that time, they didn't have Fox kind of like rolled in their pocket yet. They still now they do or. Now they do, but the time, you know, if you had Mysterio with magical powers from a different dimension, he's like, okay, maybe a little bit of a Doctor Doom-esque sort of mm-hmm. thing, because the armor was very Doom-like. Yeah. Um, and that's why I was kind of like, okay, this is where we crack the multiverse. This is where we get to see some some different things happening. You know, maybe even at the end, he chucks Spidey into his old universe. And, you know, maybe then the third movie is... Spider-Man trapped in the multiverse trying to make his way back to his, his original home. And this is where oh, that's still coming. Don't worry about that. Troy, what did you think? You've been awfully quiet. Um, yeah, it was a good movie. Uh, All so right. What See you next going... week, folks. 
So uh, no, there's there's really nothing more that I could say that you guys haven't already said about it. I mean, pretty much everything that I want to say has already been said. I mean, it was entertaining. It was a fantastic follow-up. First of all, not only as a sequel, which was also hard to do because coming up as a sequel to um, like Homecoming is going to be a feat on its own. Following up on Endgame is going to be an almost impossible. impossible to do. But again, in the first few minutes of it, they show how the world has reacted, how it is recovering from the tribute, the 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 the, the stuff that has gone down through Endgame. Um, again, introducing everyone that disappeared and came back uh, five years later, sort of thing. I mean classmates that are different ages that are interacting with each other is fantastic um uh one of my favorite things is uh freaking uh thompson uh, flash being like denied his drink because while his passport says he's five years older that he was part of the blip mary J tells him well he's part of the blip so he's really five years younger and his drink gets taken away from him instantly <laughs> stuff like that is just so beautifully done um I was uh, I was a little hesitant with the whole entire let's make up a way to get your into Europe sort of thing. It was nice to see um, more Sam Jackson and more uh, Kobe Smothers reprising their roles. Um, that was also something I wasn't expecting either. I don't less know. Scrolls, no less. Scrolls was <laughs> fantastic of an idea too. But and then again. If you're getting out of the situation, why don't you just have a scroll go by as Spider-Man as well while Peter Parker's there? This is well before, like, multi-universe of the multiverse of madness idea was even out there. You can simply you have scrolls. You you are working with scrolls, um, and then the the friggin' not even a Fury being on Earth. He's like off somewhere in the universe with the whole entire scroll army sort of thing <laughs> that was such it's, a great ending it, yeah i mean again they could have introduced the, the the symbiote at that point true and again i agree with you 100 percent, mike symbiote suit from endgame would have been perfect it would have um, been fun but it, it still works yeah. without it oh no for yeah. sure for sure one of the other things that i really enjoyed about this movie is because they did a lot of press that was both Tom Holland and Jake Gyllenhaal and they together their interviews their chemistry was fantastic like the real actors really worked well together in all the interviews that I saw and then when you start in the movie you have that in the background that they work so well together and like wait this might be a good guy Mysterio this is actually kind of cool I like this idea this is kind of cool he's from another dimension he's got magic he's he is what Mysterio in the comic books always wanted to be not a special effects guy, just this guy that from another dimension that happens to have all these powers. And again, the instant they're sitting down in the in the bar and you can see it in Peter's face, I'm like, oh fuck, Mysterio's a bad guy. <laughs> like that whole entire thing. But Mysterio is a brilliant bad guy because he has everyone working with him for a reason and he has the right people working with him and they pull off this spectacular thing and then when we get to the reveal where they're doing practicing and the effects aren't going right and they're like he's like come on guys we've got to get this working and all that sort of thing that's how it would be so amazing and it was just it was an entertaining movie that we got to see all different sides now i will however say that 
I didn't enjoy the special effects ending. The whole entire computer-generated Parker in the Mysterial world looked a little too cartoony. It was a little too stretch and like the special, the, like the computer-generated stuff just looked a little too stretchy. It looked a little too off-model at points. I didn't really feel like I was in a dream sequence. I've seen some really cool dream sequences that have been done in a practical sense, and it would have been really cool to see that with some pretty cool cuts and light changes and all that sort of thing. But this whole entire computer-generated thing, not so much fun. Getting hit by the train, that was fantastic. Getting hit by the train was great. Uh, but that whole entire sequence before, uh, the, the unseen recording of Spider-Man shooting Mysterio was was great. That was a nice little added little bonus piece. Hey, everything's okay. And then all of a sudden the video goes up when and again, J. Jonah Jameson, like you cannot. J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson again is just like phenomenal. It's what was missing from the amazing Spider-Man. There was no Joe J. Jonah Jameson. And to have J.K. Simmons reprising the role was was fantastic. Um, but uh, yeah, to have Mysterio screw over Spider-Man like that at the end and to end it on that note it's like what wait what what um it it was a great movie um and I mean I didn't see it I've only seen it once I hate to say I've seen I've seen Aquaman more times than I've seen Spider-Man Homecoming I'm sorry Far From Home and I don't know why because I enjoyed it so much more than Aquaman but there's just something about not needing to see it anymore because I think I got everything out of it that I needed to. I don't think there was anything more that I needed to see. You know what I'm saying? It was like, that was it. I don't want to. Oh, for me, I saw that one multiple times. Well, no. E I... Even in theaters, I saw it multiple times for that one. See, I saw it once and I, my fear is if I see it a second time, I'm going to like it less. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm getting at. I liked what I saw. I don't want to go in there and realize... Because now that I know, right, now that that whole entire reveal of him being the actual bad guy, I'll see the points. I'll see the behind the wall. I'll see through the smoke and mirrors and all that. It's like watching the usual suspects. Oh, for me, the yeah. second time was better because you're kind of in on the joke and you see all the subtleties. So I did enjoy it even more the second time. Okay. Okay. I'll give you, I'll give you that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that if you look at it from that point of view, I guess I never thought of it from that point of view. I was probably thinking. It's of... true. You don't like the, the event, the reveal, you don't get the same impact. Yeah. But watching it, knowing the ending and knowing where the story goes and seeing what they do to kind of set it up and all the different plot points, like same thing with uh, homecoming, you know, that moment in the car where you yeah. realize he's the vulture Oh no! That, like, that you only get that moment once, and you never yeah. get it again. Yeah. yeah. Same with Darth Vader. You know, I am your father. You only get that once. Wait, what? Who's his? Who's his father? Oh, spoiler! Right? Spoiler! <laughs> this is spoiler oh. cast. We can say that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you can only have that moment once, but when you see it again, and you see all the points that lead up to it, like it still holds together. Okay. Yeah. No. Cool. I, uh... Uh, it's not that I'm not going to say it again. I'll more than likely rewatch it again before the 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 third movie comes out. 
because I'll definitely watch or probably hopefully theaters will be open to be able to watch the trilogy in the theaters. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, I'm, it's not that I, I think the only reason that I haven't seen it is because I, I just want what I've seen already of it. I want that perfect viewing of it. I mean, mm-hmm. It was fun. It was entertaining. I it's I got everything out of it. I got the emotion out of it. I got the entertainment out of it. I got again that whole entire oh maybe he is the good guy. Oh he is the bad guy. Oh Marvel you did it to us again. But, but the Peter MJ stuff was good too. Yes, that was MJ so stuff. clunky and awkward and teenager. The way yeah. that the way that yes the way that Zendika changes her character when she finally figures out that. Parker is Spider-Man. The way she acts around him is so beautifully done. Like up until that point, she's all like, ah, whatever, Parker, you're a loser sort of thing and all that. And then when she finally figures it out, she's all of a sudden dumbstruck. She's like, and what did she say? It's like, I had, you know, I was 60% sure. Like, yeah, she acted like she kind of knew it all along, but it was like, no, it was just. I was going to say though, if you're going to watch in theaters, don't you have to watch Civil War, Homecoming, uh infinity gauntlet or infinity war Endgame, and then far from home you know this one and then you know if you're gonna watch them all and get the whole spider-man effect you got to- all right troy gets a marathon yeah yeah six films come on you can do it okay if i if see they- this is an absolute win one thing yes gavin the uh one, once again the uh, far from home proves that if Tony Stark is a dick to someone, they're probably going to end up being a supervillain. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Yeah, just he, he makes supervillains left and right. Yeah. Well, not anymore. Well, we don't know. He we don't still, know. There's still some more he could probably have made, and now we're going to see them. Mandarin's coming out soon, right? Yeah. All right, so um, from the uh, conversation, I'm going to think we're all um, on the one side, right? So what movie's going to move on? Uh, just yeah. uh, Aquaman. Spider-Man. Oh, Spider-Man. Right, Spider-Man. Far yes. from Walkman? <laughs> <laughs> all right, yes. so with, with uh, Spider-Man Far From Home uh, moving on, that actually ends our uh, first round of... Uh, first, uh, sorry first you know bracket of uh, rounds and all that yeah okay, i can't hear you troy no He's audio no audio oh oh almost there. getting better yeah there you go here we go how about now yes yeah, we hear you can you hear me now okay yes. how long haven't you guys heard me uh we didn't know what you were uh, for about. about the last two hours Okay, then good, 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 good. Okay, so for next week's uh, matchup in the uh, next uh, set of uh, uh, brackets, uh, we got, uh, it's going to be Avengers Endgame versus Marvel's The Avengers. So that's going to be our uh, matchup for next week. All right, so I think that's about time for a collective goodbye, guys. I believe we can do that. Do we need the countdown? Or should we do is that part of our is that part of our goodbye? Is the countdown part of our goodbye? I don't know. Until we get it right, I think it should be. Yeah, yeah, at this point. Who knows what that'll be? Yeah, exactly. Yes. All right. So, and again, as as always, in three, two, one.
Collective goodbye. Did it on purpose, didn't you? That was almost. That was almost. That was almost good, guys. All right. Okay. You have just been listening to Geeking Off the Page with your hosts, Mike Kitchen, Gavin Burbage, Trevor Brown, and Troy Bowman. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Also, if you could leave us a rating and comment, that would assist in allowing others to find this podcast more easily. You can follow the podcast on the following social platforms. Instagram and Twitter, search for at PlanetGeekPod, all one word. On Facebook, search for Planet Geek Productions. Or you can send us an email to PlanetGeekPod at gmail.com. Buy the guys a coffee by going to ko-fi, ko-fi.com slash planetgeekpod. And know that any and all donations will go towards improving all current and future Planet Geek Productions programs. Thank you for listening. We got a couple of trailers that uh, came out this week, uh, a couple that we can just going to skim by and uh, just 